to another episode of Into the Looking Glass Darkly with your host, David Scuro. Today, our guest is an old friend of mine. We met uh, back in 2012, working together on an animated kids show. And it's one of those friendships where we don't always keep in contact, you know, day in, day out. But when we do, it's like no time passed at all whether it's a few weeks, months, or even years, whenever Toby and I get a chance to sit down together, it's just like two old buddies having a beer and and shooting the shit. And that's kind of what this episode was. In a lot of ways, it's been a while since he and I just kind of chit-chatted and had a chinwag, as they say. And so this episode is less topical than it is just sort of conversational. And you, my lovely listeners, get a chance to have a little bit of voyeurism and peek behind the curtain between two old friends catching up. So my guest today is a gamer, he's a YouTuber, he is a tour de force in all things creative. His name is Toby Turner, and you may know him better by his YouTube channel, Tabuscus. He's a wonderful, uh, insightful person, and uh, I loved having him on. So without further ado, my guest today, a conversation with Toby Turner. Boom. Okay, cool. So tattoos. We're, we're talking about a Tabuscus tattoo, Toby yeah. Turner. We need to get you some <laughs> ink. Edge up. Maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I mean, like a big, you should go large right away. Like just a huge chess piece. <laughs> Dude. Okay. So the first tattoo that I pretended to have was, uh, uh, you know, years back in this music video. And it was just a, a tattoo of Tobuscus on my okay. chest. Yeah. <laughs> just, it was a just joke. That one. Yeah. Well, it was like a horrible tattoo. It was like a Sharpie. It wasn't like a beautiful tattoo, oh, but it no. still served the same purpose. That's right. And maybe, like, a neck, maybe a neck tattoo. Sail. What's that? <laughs> maybe a neck tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the first one would be a neck tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Go big. Go huge. Do you have a neck tattoo? Do I have to? You don't no, have, have a neck tattoo. tattoo? No, I don't have a neck tattoo. I have, a, I have one behind my ear, oh. but not not on my neck proper. No, but you got the arms going on, and it looks like a you know, it looks like a little bit of an art gallery on there. Yeah, it's kind of That's filling sweet. up slow, slowly but surely. So it's been a long time since we worked. We've we've known each other for going over ten years now. Wow. Can Man, you think about the last, that? Last I saw you. I saw you. Uh, what was the last I've time I seen saw you? I've definitely seen you since Annoying Orange a few times. Yeah, a, but um, at a we got lunch one time a few years ago, like in yeah. Studio City or something. Yeah, Studiosity. But a yeah, lot dude, happened is, in those days. Dude, I can't even believe how much stuff has happened. There, there, there's definitely books could be written about that small gap. But uh, I mean, I love. I, I really love it over in LA. But it's just uh, it's different. I guess I don't know. It's not necessarily like a bad thing forever, but like for yeah. a while. Okay. Uh, I don't know what you want to talk about exactly. What do you usually talk about? Anything. Anything you want. Whatever you're working on, whatever's gone on in your life. Like there's a ton we could talk about, sir. You you are you are nothing if not not boring. <laughs> well, I've been I've – been, uh, thank you. Hey, dude, likewise. I've been uh, – every time I talk to you, it's always, it's always fun. And uh, yeah, I like that you're out there and you send this like message of coolness. You said you also like, uh, I don't know. You just always look cool. And I, I don't do that, but uh, I should, but uh, I don't, <laughs> I will. I've been studying, but um, once you get your tattoo, it, yeah, that's a, literally, that was the thing. I was like, okay, well maybe that's what I'm missing. And yeah. and people are like, well, what would you put on? What would you get tattooed? I'm like, well, there's a lot of art. I could just kind of copy and paste <laughs> onto my body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just like just from random, 
You like the Mona Lisa on your back. <laughs> but they're like, okay. They're like, oh no, it's very expensive. They're like, ah, yeah. okay. No, trust me. It doesn't look like it would be. Well, it is. <laughs> that is wild. If you get the Mona Lisa tattooed all over your body for no reason, just your body goes up in value. Your body goes That's up in true. value like 10% at least. And depending on how people look at you, her eyes follow you. Yeah, well, so. scream at it. Well, then you're going to get in trouble. You'd have eyes you on the back of your head. Like, yeah, he won't stop looking at me. Like, are you sure he doesn't have the Mona Lisa tattooed on his show? Well, that's possible. That's it. That's, that's We've uncovered it. There has been a lot of stuff. Uh, man, it's wild. So, like, uh, my first thought was uh, getting an array of, of stuff on, like, maybe one of my arms or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had a friend. A, a friend was like, hey, I'm getting a tattoo. It's going to be so cool. Check it out. And I've already gotten half of it done. But check out the rest of it, and so I look at the I look at the first half, and it's like a Thor a Thor's hammer, right? Okay. On like a what is it like lower belly or whatever you know upper thigh I don't know what's that area between those two. Anyways, this so was like the, the crease. Yeah, well, something like that. Yes, uh, and that's where it is. And then I'm like, oh, that's great. What's the other half going to be? And she's like, another Thor's hammer. I'm like. You're gonna get two Thor's hammers, like like there's only like one the, Thor, the same hammer, yeah, the same like hammer. The lore of of various yeah. hammers that Thor's held, like same Stormbreaker. <laughs> no, no, it's not like a, it, yeah. I mean, if it was a reflection or something, it like you know in the castle. I mean, that would be like understandable. It was the same same hammer, same position, other side of the lower belly area. And I'm like, there's only one Thor's hammer in the universe. She's like. Yeah, but I just want to get two. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, uh, why it not just reminds have one? Me, it kind of reminds me of a of a uh, oh god, what is that stupid movie? Um, spinal spinal. Yeah, that, that, yeah, parody like, of itself. Yeah, like why don't why don't you just make the cabinets louder at ten? No, but this one goes to eleven. Oh, well, then, <laughs> there he is. You've got two <laughs> Thor sandwiches. That's fine. Exactly. Double the Thor. And, and it's funny when it's in a movie. But when it's in real life, you're like, mm-hmm, maybe consider. And that is still could be it still could be OK. But it's like, well, I mean, unless you're going to be aware that that is funny because it shouldn't happen. That's tough. What is, what, what's your theory on on funny tattoos? Because I I uh, like I can't get I don't think I could do like a pizza slice smoking a bong. Like, I, you know, like because mm. tattoos, for, I mean, they, they don't bother me that much. But for anyone, whatever anyone says, they do. They do hurt. And, and they're expensive. Smoking a bomb, bong. You mean like a like a pizza slice, like a Aqua Teen Hunger Force kind of thing? What yeah, yeah, like like an anamorphic pizza, like that smoking a, a giant bong. bong or something. But that's like a bong made sh- like, like carved silly. out of an apple, which is yeah. also anamorphic, which is darker. If you want to go for that dark humor kind of thing, Ooh. yeah. So like, uh, yeah, man. I don't know. My first experience with tattoos is like people would would have stuff like that. They would have stuff that's like, I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's this, get it? And I'm like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then 10 years later, it's still there. <laughs> and that's fine. But it's like, uh, it, it's fine as like, uh, you know, that you know that's what it is. But literally, my friend has one arm that's basically dedicated to that, to everything on there is a cheap joke. And then yeah. the other stuff's beautiful. That's kind of cool way to do it. Because you're like, yeah, I get this yeah. is what it is. 
And then here's the, but you know, check this out. This is pretty. And like literally that arm started because every Halloween they would do those super crazy discounts and you get Mm like a $15 tattoo of, uh, you know, some kind of horror movie character. And uh, so she has a bunch of that. I don't know, man, I'm too indecisive about tattoos, but like you want it to last. Oh, dude, this is straight in line with what you're talking about. And you might have I might have seen this through you on on Instagram. I don't know. But it was a tattoo of something a long time ago that was kind of bad quality. Uh Can you curse on here? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm not going to do it. I mean, just want to. So there was a fucking tattoo. No, there's this tattoo. <laughs> there's this tattoo of a, it was of a, a Pokemon or something, Pikachu, and then it was really bad quality. And then ten years later, they tattooed a way better looking Pikachu painting that previous, uh, oh. and it looks it's like great. Pikachuception. Yep, exactly. So it's like you know, it's an updated thing, and then now it just looks cooler than ever. Uh, right, that's pretty clever. Damn. Yeah, that's part of it also, because I started to think I was ready to get one, and then I started looking up tattoos, and then I saw how much cooler they were than I even was imagining. Dude, like, some of the art these days is in- crazy. It's insane. Insane. Yeah. Like, like the, the 3D like there stuff? There are some artists out there. Yeah, the 3D. That was exactly what I was going to say, like the 3D stuff, and you're looking at it, and, and you're like, this is a digital rendering. This is not ink on someone's skin. There's just It's not possible, but it uh-huh. is. And it just kind of shows the artistry that goes behind that that style of art. That I mean, like you're you're literally just a, you're a fine artist whose medium is flesh, and mm. you know, and and because the body has natural curves, I'm sure that adds to its ability to create depth and field and and uh, depth of field and and just sort of shading and it's wow, it's it's pretty impressive when you when you look at the stuff that's out there. It's a big commitment. That's a big thing. It's not like yeah. the days of like Flash when you got like a like droopy dog, like a small, like a like a one inch droopy dog, like on your bicep. You know, I don't think that that mm. flies quite anymore. You gotta <laughs> you gotta step up. No rote, like no Woody Woodpecker. I don't think that's gonna. <laughs> I mean, come on. There's definitely a sweet looking Woody Woodpecker somewhere. You gotta get like a sucky Woody Woodpecker, like sucky Panther, <laughs> but yeah, a Woody yeah. Woodpecker. That's kind of we'll see. That's kind of the same idea. Is like let's just get a horrible tattoo. Uh, you said sucky. Yeah. You didn't say the S word. I did, shitty? No, I didn't say shitty. I said sucky. You said sucky. Okay. Have like, you seen oh, the no, Sucky no. Panther? Oh, okay. No, that's a that's a thing. No, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. I thought you were saying yeah. sucky because you didn't want to uh, say the S word, and I already said the F word. And I was like, oh, God, I just dig, dug myself up. No. No, I, uh, there's a whole someone, – someone went and got a tattoo of a panther that was terrible looking, and yeah. then it got nicknamed Sucky Panther. And became Sucky a meme, Panther. and okay. then and then everyone. Then of course it was a joke. So then people would in, intentionally go out and get uh, uh, different images in the vein I'm of Sucky it Panther. I'm looking it up. Yeah. It's insane. Oh, my God. oh, it's awesome. It's like that's like something that we we all would have drawn in like you know when we we're eight. Yeah, that's cool though, looks- dude. That's actually what you should get. You should get the Stussy symbol. What's that? You, do you not remember this? You might be a little young for the Stussy symbol. So, uh, it's S-T-U-S-S-E-Y, I think. Oh, okay. So when I was in school, this was like a t-shirt brand oh, or something. No, no. Is that the S on the S? Yeah, like the the diamond S looking thing. Yeah. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when yeah. we were in school, 
it was like some logo of a, I think a shirt brand. And because you could draw it, like you basically you would draw three lines, three small lines, and then three small mm-hmm. lines below it. And then you would, con- they, they, there was a whole technique to connecting the dots yeah. to making this like, it was like when people would draw Homer Simpson, like there was like a technique you could follow to get pretty accurate at it. That's this was very big idea. in like seventh grade. Dude, you could get a, a next generation Stussy symbol that looks that like is quality. And you're like, that's yeah. my only tattoo. I just got it yesterday. They're like, just I haven't cool. seen that since the 90s. You're like, no, no, I just got it. Yeah. <laughs> One of those 3D, super like <laughs> photorealistic Stussy symbols. A Stussy on symbol neck. painting another Stussy symbol. Oh, <laughs> Stussyception. <laughs> that is deep. No, that reminds me of a. Uh, all right, when I see this, this symbol, I think of a. Uh, Insane clown posse. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know why. It's why it has nothing to do with it. But my friend, at the same time, he was the same guy that he loved them, and he was always wearing the jinky shorts, and he mm. would always drink the fago or whatever, and uh, and they would do the those little mosh pits. But it was just them, like two people doing a mosh pit. Oh right, yeah, yeah. In sixth grade, and I was <laughs> like, no, oh, this is interesting because we're just figuring out like what that is, I guess. Uh, you know, the and, juggalos uh, are wild. Have you ever done any deep research in the juggalo culture? Uh, no, no, not at all. But that sounds like fun. I've heard a little tiny bit about them throwing bottles at each other. Probably. It's <laughs> kind of like because I, I watched a little bit of it. Uh, they have this gathering of the juggalos. It's like a big juggalo. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's a gathering. It's a festival. Grove? It's a convention. Juggalo Grove. Yes. Juggalo Grove. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And um it's like it's just like i don't know it's like it, it's every it's simultaneously every cliche you think about when you think of juggalos but but also it kind of subverts all that expectation cuz they're super communal like people think of juggalos and they just think like they're wild out of control drunk off their gourd like throwing mm-hmm. bottles at each other and what have you but there's actually a pretty tight knit community. Like they've done activism together. Like it, it's pretty wild. Like I'm not a, I'm not a necessarily a fan of, of their music, but the huh. more you read about it, you're like, wow, this is kind of a cool thing. That's like kind of no rare. That was a thing at all. Oh yeah. And it's so, and what's interesting to me is like, it's such a rarity to find a real community of people who have kind of like a shared love and work together and are like, and by all accounts, I mean, maybe some juggalo can smarten me up, but it seems like it's a pretty peaceful gathering of people who just want to like do uh mountain dew red and listen to juggalo music. Like <laughs> fuck, I guess. I don't know what else they do there, but it seems like a good time. Uh, well, you said they were activists. What yeah. do they want to activate? Oh, I think it was a few years ago. Like they marched on Washington. They marched on Washington because uh, someone was trying to designate being a juggalo as a gang. You know how like they have those like those list of like a, a, a federally recognized gangs, yeah, yeah. and they were like someone was trying to put the juggalos on that list, and so the juggalos like m- like you know their their hundred juggalo march on Washington to you know protect their name and lobby to like you know that they weren't a gang that they're just you know really really passionate fans of a musical genre and lifestyle. Whoa, Juggalo March, yeah, uh, September twenty, September sixteenth, twenty seventeen, in Washington D.C. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they, uh, okay, they took places. Okay, wow. Uh, during uh, several other other demonstrations around the city, one was for Trump, one was for 
Uh, oh, oh, the march was to protest the FBI's classification. Okay, wow. So the FBI wanted to classify him as a gang, but they didn't, really, they didn't do gang stuff. I mean, maybe throwing bottles, but I don't think that they did. I it's never like your average them. sports fan throws bottles. Yeah, yeah, it's not a not a massive thing. It's not like they're trying to go around and hurt people. But I think they they tried they did that because it was they were like yeah music, and then they're like it hurts people. They're like oh my bad, I don't know. That's <laughs> because yeah. music that you know it's just uh it's fun to try things, but glass is really hard, hard substance. I found that to be true. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of not getting hit by, by yeah. formed glass if possible. Like, yeah. I mean, even the small fra- uh, fragments of glass, I don't like to even walk on. No, probably yeah. not a good idea. Not that we're kink shaming or anything. No, no, no. But, but you know, no. it's just not our thing. <laughs> oh no. Okay. So, so kink shaming. Yeah. This idea of, uh, whatever a kink is, someone that some someone likes something that is not normal, and then you're like, okay, well, cool, you know, the, and you try to go along with it, and you know, it's maybe it's going to be weird, and you're like, oh, you know, this is your thing, it's for you, uh, but then it's just like some like sometimes, and I know that you know, there's those people out there that like this stuff, but. There was this one girl I was dating, and she was like, "Oh, you know, you know, I'm pretty kinky or whatever." Oh, cool, whatever. Uh, and then she just started talking about. It. She's like, "I just like, you know, cutting my, uh, you know, partner and myself, and we just, you know, it's just, we like to just get blood all over the place. Wow. It's not dangerous. You just, it's not dangerous." I'm like, ah, what are you talking about? I was like, ah. Did, did you did you pick this person up at a graveyard after nighttime and uh, or at some old church? Maybe <laughs> did you find them? No, she was awesome. She was very uh, normal. Uh, well, she had a lot of tattoos, but she so she but she's very uh, friendly to everybody. But and then she was shy and quiet, and then yeah, uh, she just you know because whatever started talking about that kind of stuff, and I was like, oh, eh, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not the kind of person who really enjoys pain. Like, I know that seems obvious, but like, I, I just don't, I don't like it. It's just not fun for me, but yeah. some people, um, they, they, they really do get a sense of thrill from that acute pain. There's a friend of mine who desperately wants to try uh, you ever seen those people who get, um, piercings and they get suspended oh by their piercings. Oh my God. Oh, I can't believe you're even talking about that. Yeah. I know somebody. Yeah. And like, it's, it's not my thing, but some people love it. They love that. That I mean, look, I'm covered in tattoos. So maybe on some level I do as well, but like there are. And are, people, is that person pretty normal otherwise or no? Yeah. I mean, whatever normal means. I mean, they're, they're probably into uh, society. Yeah. I'll frame it this way. You probably wouldn't suspect that they'd be into something as subversive as. That's exactly what piercing. I was going to suggest. Yeah. And I actually think that that's true pretty often. I think that's the, the same who, the person I know. Oh, maybe it's the same person. Who knows? It's not. Mm. So this person talked to me about that. And she was, uh, I had no idea. It came out of nowhere. I'd known her for years. Mm-hmm. She started talking about that. She was like, you know, you know, I'm just, you know, I like trying stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, me too. And then she's like, uh, you know, did you know the human body can be supported if it just has what was it six rungs of metal that are like mm. through the back. I'm like, huh? 
yeah, okay, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, around the ankles and the hands or whatever? What do you want to hang from the No, no, no. Like, uh, you know, I have these little cuts in my shoulders and my back, and I'd known her forever, and I had no clue. And whatever, if she likes that, that would, you know, at the time, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, but it just sounded really... Have you seen the movie, what is it, The Cell or something like that? There's a movie Oh, yeah, where... yeah. I don't know if that's the one, but there's a no, movie. No, I think it is. I think it is. You that. think they have a... Yeah hanging from the roof and then i'm just like ah in the theater i'm like ah and some people saw that movie like hey that's a good idea <laughs> yeah well i i do think that i mean look there's the i'm a big fan of the movie hellraiser so the idea that they just would watch be, that for the first time two weeks ago the original or the the one that just recently both. came out both both what do you think of the second one or the, the newest one uh i thought it was awesome yeah, That's why okay. I watched the first, the uh, the uh, original, because I thought the newest one, I watched it, and I don't watch horror movies. I don't really, I'm not, I wasn't really into that, and I got into it. Uh, and so I just started kind of going through the horror movies after the whole pandemic, the whole, we're all going to die. I'm like, all right, let's watch some horror movies. Uh, <laughs> and I started to be like, okay. And I started enjoying them. I never, ever got into horror before that, except for The Ring. I loved The Ring in high school. Okay. Scared the hell out of me. Scariest right. movie ever. Before that, I was scarred from horror movies because uh, I watched this movie called uh, was it? Uh, it was Gremlins. I think I was eight years old. It was uh-huh. the first scary movie that I saw, and it scared me so bad I had nightmares for like the whole week. So after that, I was like, no more horror movies, and I just didn't watch horror movies anyway. So but you've acted in a horror movie. Was that is that weird in any way for you? No, I wasn't in any of the horror parts. Okay, all right. I was so totally. They didn't tell me it was a horror movie until it came out. Really? No, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, just show Why up and be over here and read this dialogue. They're like, oh, no, it's a nice coming of age high school movie. I'm like, oh, okay. And then and my, my whole character, I was just a class clown. I never right. saw any uh, any problems in the movie. I never saw any evil stuff go on at all. Uh, it was pretty awesome, though. The, the dude that was uh, teaching in that movie at the front of the class, I had met him years ago. Because my friend mm-hmm. made a short film that just texted me right before I got on here for the first time in years, which is random. Wow. Um, but uh, that's kind of funny. The world kind of brings uh, people together. But mm-hmm. uh, it was fun. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. What was I, what were we talking about? You said a Hellraiser, the newest one. You yeah. asked me if I liked it. So you yeah, didn't yeah. it or what? No, I did. I did like it actually a lot. Um, and I, and because I love the original so much. It's one of, one of my top two or three favorite horror movies of all time. So, you know, anytime a new movie comes out, I, I, I'm always kind of weary of it, especially these days. It just They tend yeah. to miss the mark more often than not. But I watched the new one um, by David Bruckner, who worked on another film that I'd worked on called Siren. He was a producer of that. And um, I, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good take on it. I thought they did a good – you know, because it's a hard thing, I think, for filmmakers to try to modernize things. Yeah. Try to make things uh, socially relevant. And yet not feel preachy or heavy handed or like it's just sort of shoehorned in, um, but really do it in a way that that feels like it's being done with the same intention that the original was done with. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I thought he did a really excellent job with that. Uh, it felt it was not, so cool. not forced. Yeah. I had, but it's the first first thing I saw from the series was that one. It's the first one I saw was the newest one. And so I watched it. It was like watching, uh, you know, it was like a video game. Yeah. <clears throat> the the writing was amazing. Uh, the I uh, the whole cube thing looked friggin' sweet. That's the first time I saw it. But uh, and then 
yeah, them luring these people in and they're, they're thinking they're going to get this power and then, uh, it all blows up in their face. It, it was cool. And then at the end of the movie, you're like, is that real? <laughs> oh God, well, is this real? What's the, what was it called? The, uh, the, the Luma, whatever phase or whatever. Are these oh, uh, oh, uh, Lit, was Lim- it? Or- Lit, not luminous. Got it. Um, I'll remember it somewhere in the podcast yeah. in the moment. Liminal, liminal, liminal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah liminal. liminal phase. And then I looked it up online. I was like, "What?" You know. And I was reading the backstory. It's like the liminal phase is technically the the life that we all have to go through in general, anyways. Yeah, and it then, seems they did they did a good job of expl- of exploring that lore and like developing it further than the original movie does. Ugh, ugh, the Leviathan. You're like ah. and uh hey i mean maybe they they enjoy it but uh it's just when you try to imagine the potential horror that could be created by some master alien race just for their own pleasure or because they're uh i don't know they're i don't know trying to teach a lesson to human souls or something you're like ah it all gets weird but, I mean, uh, I think we do a real good job of making it weird for ourselves, even without a- alien overlords. Yeah, no, I know. As a society, we're 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 uh, we're strange birds for that, you know. I mean, dude, I, I it's funny because like you spend most of your life, well, we did, <clears throat> not even understanding, and maybe kids. Well, again, I hope, but not, had no idea that there was like a weird this weird structure on Earth of humans that were you know fighting and they're you know, they're capable of horrible things. And then you, uh, you know, but you're like, Oh no, but we won America won. We're fine. And then you're like, eh, uh, people are like, it's a power struggle. And I don't know. It's just like, it felt it's, you do miss those days when you're like, everything's perfect. And yeah. then it ended up being fine. But like, dude, when we were kids, our parents were stressed out. Yeah. No, that's something that's been, it's starting to really, not like it's new information, but it's dawning on me on like on a real internal level. Yeah, and exactly. that's and that is that I, I think you know like I, I've I'm forty almost forty two now, and so um, forty two. Yeah, age. I think so. So far, it's going pretty well, but like um, we we owe. I think it's I think it's it's sort of a, a the curse of youth to believe that everything that's happened to you is happening to you uh, exclusively. It's the first time it's ever happened in history. We're the only generation to ever deal with any of these problems. And some problems are unique because technology, you know, advances and what have you. But most of the time, you can even boil that down to an older issue just being portrayed or being manifested through a newer technology. You know, the lack of communication is a huge one. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. that's nothing brand new. That just has been exasperated in some manner by social media. And um, I do think, though, that uh, while there's always been problems on in this world and while where every generation thinks the world is fundamentally flawed and brutal and hard because it is, I do think, though, uh, and I don't think it's just because I'm too – I've gotten to this age where I'm just disconnected. I do think that the last 10 years that we, we talked about, I don't know, 15 years, I guess – with the with the the rise of social media being so embedded in our life, mm-hmm. I do think that there are things that are amplified to levels that we probably haven't ever seen before. Yeah, maybe. 
And I think that it was because because just imagine like your phone, right? Um, just, okay, so you see you you watch by happenstance Hellraiser, the new one, mm-hmm. and and uh, you're like, wow, that was a good movie. Let me go down a rabbit hole. Let me go watch the first movie. Yeah. Let me read about everything. Yeah, read about about the fingertip. Exactly. Yeah. But like twenty years ago, uh, thirty years ago, definitely you you wouldn't have had that ability. So kind of your experience of Hellraiser would be limited to whatever you could see in front of you. <laughs> and maybe, maybe you could get some auxiliary content or information through like interviews and magazines, maybe, you know, all very kind of very presented as it's meant to be digested and and not just a, a, a scattering of facts for you to interpret in your own way. Nowadays, the second you like something, hell, most people, myself sometimes included, you're not even done with the movie before you're drawn to find out more about it. So, like our the amount of information, the the amount of factoids that we have in our brain is just at a place that's never been before in any manner. It's like, is it too much information? Does that mean that we are not going to be able to digest it enough? Like, are you supposed to? Who knows? I mean, what's the perfect amount? Uh, Because like I haven't read a book in a I hadn't read a book in a long time physically by looking at the words. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And it's a whole different thing. Like you have to really look at it and translate it with your eyes and hear it in your head. And uh, it's so different than listening to the audiobook because the audiobook, you can just like, you know, sometimes you'll stop paying attention. That's it. You can't really go back. I mean, you can go back, but you can't. uh, I mean, you can go back. You can definitely go back. But it's like, let's say you stop, you, it phases out and you're like, eh, I, you know, if I want to rewind, it's going to screw it up. It's going to take me so long to like get back to the last place. And there's like the whole backup 15 seconds thing, which I've done a couple of times. And I just get so frustrated that I'm so out of the book at that point, which yeah. when you're reading it uh, with your eyes. Uh, it, it's kind of, I don't know, I guess it's, it's just easier for you to look and, and, and start uh, at an earlier space, but I still get whatever. I don't know what my point is here, but I love listening to audiobooks and I also love reading physical books in a whole different way. It's like it's it's like that it's like re, uh, uh, taking this the story and mixing it with like a meditation or something, you know, yeah. it's silence. It's not like a performance as much. No, it commands your attention too because you physically have to hold something you know, the book's got to be held with at least one hand. Yeah. And uh, you've got to generally, you've got to commit yeah. to finding some space that's a bit more quiet. Yeah. So maybe that, that keeps you more alert if you have to make sure like the page doesn't fold back because you're like, ah, you know, I got to do this. And so your body's a little more on, on alert. You know, yeah. you got to keep it under the light. You pay attention to where you are. Uh, and I don't know. It's, I think it's really good for you. I mean, I'm not sure uh, how much better it is or if it is better than an audiobook. But uh, I think I I don't I don't want to misspeak, but I do think that there's something to be said for uh, retention being yeah. higher when when you're actually reading and engaged than if you're listening. It's just it's the difference between sort of a passive experience and an active experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to take up your active experience that much, you know, one step further, uh, try reading out loud to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Well, I, I've tried that. <clears throat> like when I'm reading a book, I've tried that, and I uh, I can't. I don't know what it is. I just don't get the information as well because I'm, mm. I'm also, com- uh, you know, like let's say you're reading a story for other people. Like a big part of it is uh, you're trying to sound, you're not, you don't want to sound like an idiot. So you're like, all right, let's get the words right. And the whatever. So then that takes up maybe 20% or something. 
And then uh, you're also trying to get the information, but you're just trying to pronounce it right. I don't know. I, I have heard that like your retention might go up if you read it out loud. I don't know if that's true for me, but uh, could totally be doing it wrong. <laughs> well, I don't think you're doing it wrong, but because I, I agree with you, we're just saying it does. You do add new elements in that aren't just absorbing the information being yeah. shared with you, but it, it's a good practice if you ever find your even with when you're reading a book, if you ever find your eyes just glossing over, you know that you ever hear that old thing like if you read the mm-hmm. first line of a paragraph and the last line of the paragraph, your brain just fills in the data. Mm. Sometimes that gets that that's easy to happen again, especially if you spend a lot of time scrolling through your phone. It it shortens your ability to re- focus on yeah. on a single item. So if you're finding yourself glossing over things or speed reading, which I think is one of the worst things that was ever introduced into society, this idea that you got to speed read <laughs> as though we've got something better to do at the end of this book, right? Right. Well, there's this uh, this thing. Uh, now that you mentioned that, it might it's called uh, maybe I think it's called maybe Readsy. R-E-A-D-S-Y. I could be wrong. I think that's what it is. But uh, you might have been uh, at my house around that time when we were uh, – I was discovering this thing. And uh, there was this uh, – I don't know if I ever showed it to you. But it was this uh, new thing where you could put a book. You, you paste the book's text into mm. this box and you click Z or whatever. And uh, you could put it on your projector or whatever and aim it at some area – anywhere or put it on your phone and you would, your eyes would look at one space. Your eyes would look at one like specific pixel and mm-hmm. uh, the, the words would pop up at a rate that were su- like faster than you would be able to read. Normally you'd never have to look away. And, and uh, the word itself would shift like uh, cause there's a point in each word that our eyes look to, to be able to decipher what the word is. Okay. Like the word, the, like the word believe, like your eye would look at the bottom of the eye and so, something like that. Cause when you see a word, your eyes look at one letter, uh, you know, typically. And so they would just make it be the typical place where your eyes going to look at to decipher that whole letter. And then you move on to the next one. So every word, like no matter how big it is, you look at one space on that word, you read it. And so then it shows up for a split second and disappears and people could read at like uh, three times or five times the, the rate of uh, like the fastest normal reader wow. <clears throat> and you would digest a lot of the information. It was really cool, but it was like, how long can you do that? But it was, right. it was so awesome. Like I would put it up on the projector. I'm like, ah, let's read this. Let's read, uh, you know, freaking Jane Eyre. <laughs> and we're like looking at it and it just flashes the words. Everyone's staring at it for a while. And then I would just kind of ask questions about what you guys get out of that? And everyone's like, huh, that was awesome. But it was the first time they'd ever seen it. Really? I thought it was, was going to take over the world. I was like, right. this is the coolest thing ever. But, you know, it didn't ever really take off. I don't even know if people know about it. But the idea is cool. Yeah, it's interesting that there are in, – in our current society, things get introduced into the wild, so to speak. And mm-hmm. that seems fascinating because it, it sounds like it's not designed strictly to read quickly but to actually retain, right? Like to really – maximize your ability to to read and like read in it with the with the most efficiency but there are lots of things that get like i like one of the things for example that i've been wanting to experiment with i don't know if i, I but i hate cold showers is that like that cold dunk have you done that yeah uh yeah uh, it's uh one of those things that you hate it a lot and you like it afterwards yeah that's what i've heard i, I don't want to go through the hated part a lot yeah <laughs> that's the problem but like <laughs> 
things like there's just these random things that you just hear. And like, if you're lucky, you kind of catch a moment of it and you're like, Oh, that sounds like a, an interesting thing to incorporate in my life in some manner. And then before you really get a chance to implement it in, you know, and it, for it to stick, like the next thing comes around and, and it's mm-hmm. like the next new thing that you've got to do. And then you're just, con- that goes back to what you said earlier. Like, are we just getting too much information to yeah. retain? I kind of think we do. And and it's a weird dichotomy because on the one hand, if you go back to a, an era 30, 40 years ago, you're really limited. You're really trusting information through very limited sources. Yeah. And it was fun. It was, it was like easier that. for sure. Yeah. Right. And I like that more. I mean, it, like uh, this is like an idea that, you know, whatever it's crazy sort of, but it's like, okay, if we were living in it, all right. So we, we grew up in this age where there was nothing at all digital basically. And then uh, digital stuff started popping up I and mean, we had like a little bit of stuff, but uh, we had computers or we had like a, what, what was it like pagers and computers mm-hmm. and then like whatever phones and, uh, and over time, it became standard, but it came sort of from nothing. And yeah. that was cool. That's a cool way to do it. And so it's almost like uh, the movie Terminator is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it takes place and it's a story. It's like in 2027, Los Angeles will be destroyed by a nuclear missile or nuclear bomb. I'm like, damn, dude. And now we're looking at it like, ah, that's actually kind of uh, relevant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's pretty accurate because, you know, we haven't really been at a threat of a nuclear war since uh, that movie um, yeah. before that. <clears throat> and so watching the beginning of that movie, and you see it's L.A. 2027 and everything is destroyed. And then there's robots and all this like, Ugh. I mean, who knew technology would progress that fast? Uh, but it's if we let's say that uh, imagine this universe, that's like a movie idea, like and uh, maybe it's real, but it's like a. Uh, we are going through this phase where we are developing things at this exponential rate and eventually it gets to AI or whatever. Yeah. And then uh, at that point it gets out of control and it destroys everything. That's Terminator's, you know, idea yeah, set up. And so that's, that's our whole purpose that uh, he was, you know, pointing at like, well, it's going to get crazy and maybe we're going to lose and we're going to need to figure out a time machine and we're going to have to go back to 1985 or whatever uh, and then do it over and over again. And it's almost like this. I mean, I think maybe every generation feels this way, but it's like I feel like this is the best generation to have been alive because we watched like the creation of uh, godlike power, <laughs> like out of nothing. You know, people just start to have superpowers. Like one day you can uh, talk to someone on the other side of the world. You know, like whatever else. One day you can freaking listen to any kind of music you want at all in your pocket. Anyway, but it's like. Well, it, uh, it's tricky when you talk about like the greatest generation, right? Because uh, I think you're right. I think every generation believes they're the best generation ever. Yeah. And I think every generation thinks they're the worst generation ever. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the, those two sens- sensibilities can coexist and often do coexist. And um, I, I don't know where I stand. I, I On the one hand, I agree with you that some of the things that we've been able to witness are striking uh, amazing like i mean like the, the when i was a kid luxuries like luxuries that we have that we you know like why do we have this well we have it and then you're like well what the other perspective is what's the negative from having that and what you know right 
Yeah. And I think that that shifts, right? Like when I got a cell phone for the first time or even a pager for the first time, it was the coolest thing in the world. When we got a Friendster and MySpace and LiveJournal was the coolest thing in the world. You know, you fast forward now and I'm staring at the TikToks and the Instagrams and the Twitters and the Facebooks. And I'm a lot less, I'm a lot less jazzed on social media than I would have been 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I find my phone so utterly helpful and awesome in some regards, but in other regards, I recognize that it's a constant fight against an addiction to be on your phone all the time. Yeah. And so it's this strange to, and from, from where my perspective is, I I'm kind of stuck in this middle where I don't know if this is a great generation or not. And I don't know if there's any generation that's a great generation or not, because like I can, I can wax nostalgic and look back at say like the seventies, like when my dad was in high school. Mm -hmm. Right. And I can think of all the cool music that came out and like how kind of cool it would be to like, you know, have people not be able to reach you 24 seven, like getting in the car and going somewhere and not having the world reach you until you come home. And like that freedom of being like released from everyone needing you sounds is, it sounds amazing and it's a thing that existed before we got married to our phones that like not only had uh gave people the ability to call us at any time but they don't even have to call us they could just text us or they could just send an image or like it breaks it down and you posted something a while back about the the percentage of of information you lose depending on how you communicate Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was something like you lose 98% of the communication knowledge or information if you uh, call someone versus say it to them in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Texting or, or over the phone or in-person interactions. I, I forget what percentages they were, but it just you know, it just was a big argument for talking to people in person um, because our actual communication skills are visual. And, uh, you know, so – but it's also more so in person, but you know, you could do like, I guess FaceTime, but it's like, you're, you don't know what they're looking like when they're saying the words. And I mean, it's a statistic. It could just be a, a bit of a guess, but it makes a lot of sense. Like I much prefer talking to people over the phone and I much prefer talking to people in person over that. Yeah. But uh, what you're saying is you were like, uh, you know, uh, it's funny because you said like, I don't know if there's any good generation, which is the perfect, you know, like obviously no generation really, who knows? Is it all good? No. But um, in the future, because right now, like we are, we love, or we are, I guess, uh, enthralled by things that are glittery, sparkly, whatever. And uh, so after us, it's going to be like, we're longing for this other, this change. It's like humanity always wants a change. And uh, so as soon as we lose all that, a lot of people are going to be like, yes, no more yeah. phones because <laughs> it'll yeah. happen. I mean, it has to happen at some point because none of this stuff's going to be permanent. Maybe it is, but I don't and There's no way. I mean, it's been, I don't, I don't been around so. so long. It's just existed for a tiny little bit of time. It's going to disappear entirely for some reason. And then we will uh, find the beauty in that. And then some people will long for it. But then yeah. we'll be like, you know what? This is the best generation because now we have nothing. Right. <laughs> Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Like that's a hundred percent in there's going to, I mean, I already see it. I know so many of my friends, maybe sometimes me included who really fantasize and romanticize this idea of like living in the woods, like going full throw. That sounds awesome. It sounds, 
I say that to people every time oh, I say natural. that to people. Their response is that sounds there's an, a, a visceral excitement yeah. that comes from telling someone, "Hey, let's put this technology aside for a little while and let's just kind of get back into nature." Yeah, and I think that a lot of people are very unhappy in this society that we've created. Mm-hmm. I think they they feel disconnected from the the fruit of their labor the efforts of their work. Uh, uh, many of them don't feel like they have any ownership of what they create. You know, if you're working at H and M and you're just working the register, like there's no personal touch yeah. beyond maybe your customer service. Right. But like, you don't, you didn't make that shirt. It, right. It's not like you made a rocking chair and sold it to someone, and you know, that they're going to get use out of it. Or And also you're not even really getting the connection that I think is no, the most right. important part of that. Cause that's not a, there's nothing wrong with, selling stuff that is cool. Uh, yeah. But it's like, if you are uh, interacting with somebody like, you know, as a person, you get a lot out of it. Okay. Yeah. My favorite thing, I, I really, I, I worked at Starbucks for a while and it was awesome, but uh, you know, uh, it's not the same, but it was like, I was making them the coffee. So I felt a little bit like, ah, hey, there you go. And like, Hey, thanks. My drugs for the day. I'm like, ah, yeah, go be happy. I'm giving them <laughs> caffeine every day. People come in super happy to see me. I'm making jokes. Uh, but if, yeah. if you're working at like a cash register at a place that sells some random thing shipped in, you don't know the guy who made it. It's nothing that you're passionate about. It's just it's way less than being in a little market that, you know, the, a family owns it or something. hundred uh, percent. Like the, I, I, uh, I have a funny story that I'll share about serving coffee. So I briefly worked at a star. Uh, it wasn't technically a Starbucks. It was a Barnes and Noble cafe, but we oh, sold. I, dude, I love the Barnes and Noble's cafe. Yeah. So I worked there for a while and there was a period of time when I was like 19 and I had, I was just being diagnosed with panic disorder and anxiety and uh, they put me on Paxil to, to curb it. Right. I don't know what that is. It's an antidepressant. And um, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. I didn't, I didn't like the way it made me feel. And, um, and so I stopped taking it and I didn't know that you're not supposed to just cold Turkey, stop taking it. Like it actually could be very dangerous for you. And so I was in line working, working at a coffee, at the coffee shop. And, um, and I, I just remember my heart was like racing, like great. Like I was going to burst out of my chest. And I remember talking to my coworker, just like casually be like, yeah, I just feel like my heart's racing. And in line within earshot was a cardiologist who heard me say that. Holy crap. And she, yeah. And she was like, um, you know, I'm a cardiologist. Like, you, you, I mean, how fast do you think your heart's really beating? I said, I think it's like it's bursting out of my chest. And so she like, she like chucked, checked my temperature with my wrist, uh, not my temperature, my uh, heartbeat. And um, she was like, your heart is going, beating quite fast. She's like, were you on any medication recently? And I was like, yeah, I was on Paxil and I stopped taking. She's like, okay, you can't do that because you could have a heart attack. <laughs> and like, yeah. So she's like, start, she's like, retake it. But like, if you're going to stop taking it, you got to wean yourself off of it because. Wow, uh, dude, that's a, that seems like an important thing that a doctor would tell you. One would think, but this goes to your, this is an extreme example, but this goes to your point that like, if, if this transaction was just digital or more disconnected, then that doctor doesn't notice me as a human being and notice that I'm in some sort of distress and give me that advice because she witnessed it and she could overhear it. And it wasn't just like a direct message that I was sending her. Like it was, it was, there was a certain aspect of serendipity behind it. And Mm -hmm. I've been 
talking about this a lot lately with my friends. Like just last night, I went to a bar with my buddy. And uh, it's just some random bar not far from where I live. And I've been wanting to go there because it looked like an old school, like New York bar. Like the red benches and like, I don't know, it just feels homely mm-hmm. and comfortable, right? And you, you've lived in Los Angeles, so you know how it is here. Everything is yeah, so we, pretentious we and overdone. And- There's a lot of beautiful places. The place we were at last was awesome. It was like rustic and like dark and cool. And yeah. I like that stuff. There's a lot of that. But yeah, then, so- yeah. So we found this place. There's none of that here. I'm in Vegas right now. There's none oh, of that Vegas is, at all. Vegas is tough. There's great Vegas places is tough but, for that. But everywhere you go, if you're driving down the street, and you're like, oh, there's a place. You go in, it's gonna, it's gonna suck unless you look it up. But e- even then, it's gonna be eh. It's like all yeah. the stuff. It's all they they focus on the casino. My parents live here. They focus on the fact that they uh, want their customers to be able to gamble. Then, right. And uh, in LA, they're like, hey, this is LA. You know, like yeah, it's gonna be beautiful. Right, right, right. Yeah, Vegas is very churn and burn. The food's delicious there. Oh, yeah. Food I love delicious this food. There. That's a huge, huge plus. All you can eat, anything you want ever. It's yeah. Like sushi place right down the street. I love it. This place called yeah. Hanabi. Oh, my God. I go in there all the time. I used to. And it's yeah. like, oh, you can eat sushi, which sounds horrible, especially in the desert. Like, why do you have all you can eat sushi? <laughs> right. Damn, they do a good job. That's fun. Yeah. But, but what it doesn't have, or at least what I've never found there, and which is actually kind of difficult to find even in LA, is like, comfortable places for you to gather and actually be heard like the average bar in los angeles and definitely in vegas you go with your friends and like you're going to scream the whole time to be heard Mm -hmm. if you can be heard at all there's so much visual stimulation going on it's just a stride the music it's just so much right versus a place where you can go and you can have a drink or you can have a meal and and actually connect and converse and really get something meaningful out of it and I think that uh, more and more, as that very simple idea gets tossed out, people who either haven't had that in a long time or people who never really experienced it because they kind of came of age during the digital boom, they get super excited about it. It's like, oh, yeah, that thing. I've been I've been like thirsting for it, mm-hmm. you know, like real human connection, right. real – because there's, there's it's not just – I think people misunderstand it to think that it's just – something that feels good for you, but it's not just that it really reteaches us how to communicate and, and deal with one another, which you just can't emulate online. Like people are at each other's throats for all kinds of number of reasons and disagreements and different philosophies, misunderstandings oftentimes. Exactly. And uh, I think part of it is because we don't, we aren't accustomed to dealing with people who don't think exactly like us. We're not accustomed to dealing with people who, um, and they can't convince us if they, if they're operating at like a 13% communication rate or whatever it is. Right. It was, it was something like that, that low. It was like, you know, well, and not only, not only that, but like, if I said to you something that you just, if I said Minecraft sucks and you're like, all right, then these are fighting words, right? You're going to just see my opinion and you're going to react to it, right? Because that's all you have to go off of. But if if me, your friend, says that and we're hanging out and we might have a jolly like back and forth debate about the matter. Yeah. But because you know the person and because you know what's in their heart and you know how they are and you know like – you know the parts of them that, that you just can't know when it's a strictly online experience mm-hmm. – um, you're going to soften your response because you ultimately know they're a good person and that they're not trying to be an asshole. They're just having a differencing of opinion, right? Versus I think 
when most, if not all of our communication is relegated to online, not only are you losing all that nuance in the actual yeah, active and communication, you're, and you're misconstruing the, the message, I guess, that you would really think, but and no one even knows who you are, right? Like, I mean, you must deal with that more than me, but like, people don't know you; they don't know anything about any of us. We just we're just this like uh, like an avatar online, mm-hmm. you know, c- c- carefully crafted, and, and it and and then uh, the whatever's remaining is built up by assumption, but all all that humanity gets lost and so i think re- returning to um the habits of a simpler time and you know we'll never we'll never roll back all the technology it's not like we can hop on a time machine and go back to like 1983 although it'd be awesome but like we we can only try to reintroduce some of those old habits that are maybe a better way to live and use the technology to augment rather than be the sole source of how we communicate and live Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> there are people that that do it, but yeah, it's like the uh, I don't know what's going to happen with social media. It's very, it's very strange. But like, you could leave everything if you wanted and go anywhere. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, it's expensive to do that. I can't just up and leave. Yeah, you haven't looked around really. There's places you can go, and you can really go anywhere and figure it out if you have to. You could, yeah. But like, you could. You could change it up if you want for one year and then change it back if you want. You could go to uh, like West Virginia or like, uh, you know, one of those other states no one ever wants to go to and then just go anyway. Uh, or Which are like, all beautiful states, by the way. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're beautiful. And so you get there and you're like, okay, these people are normal. There's like there's kids here. There's parents mm-hmm. here. There's old people here. There's uh, structures that are pretty. Um, <clears throat> or you could uh, – my buddy goes – he travels every year. He works uh, – very, uh, uh, you know, like a, he works sort of a, a beach job, something like that. And he, it doesn't pay a lot, but it's like every day he's just hanging out around the beach. And then, uh, he makes enough to spend like 3000, I think on travel and the beach is only a place you want to go to during the summer. So there's like several months off period. And so every year he'll travel to somewhere else uh, and in the world where he can use a budget that's, you know, a couple thousand dollars. It's not a lot, right? but he'll go anywhere. He'll go to like, uh, uh, Africa. You go to, you can go to like Europe and just stay in hostels and then, uh, uh, you know, parts of Asia. So he's traveled all over the place and you'll just meet people from everywhere. You don't spend a lot of money. You eat delicious food. The people there uh, eat it. Yeah, maybe you're going to get a little bit sick at first or whatever, but uh, eh, whatever. And then uh, it's like you see the actual world. These yeah. people don't look at their phones. Like you can go to – there are these islands off of Panama called the San Blas Islands, and uh, there's like hundreds of these little islands that are separated. And so these uh, – they just allowed tourism uh, – within the last maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so you go to one of the islands and then the like tribesmen that lived on the islands will, they'll drive you boat, you know, on a boat from Island to Island and you hang out with like the people. It's very, it's interesting because they've lived there forever and it's right. a whole different thing. They just got, uh, they just now have music that they can access because of solar panels they put on the Island. And you're like, all this stuff is, uh, is amazing and they just 
but to us, we're like, oh, it's everything. It's not everything. Right. It's like a little thing. Right. They just had it, and then they have music. It's cool, but like everything is hanging out with the people you love, eating food, not dying. That's pretty important. Swimming, yeah. dancing, you know, uh, whatever. And uh, it's like you forget that our Earth is like it's like you go to if you travel enough, you feel like you're going to different planets, sort of, because they don't even know any of the problems you stress about. Yeah. They don't have those. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know. People should travel more, I guess, is a big thing we don't really think about in America because we have everything in America. We, you know, we have yeah. snow, we have beaches, mountains. But if you go to Europe, like people, you know, take a train to go all over the place. Yeah. And uh, to see different things. And like every 30 minutes, the people around you speak a whole different language. That's weird. Yeah. Well, it's it again. It's like it's rediscovering what it means to be human when you get out of your circle. And you know, for for not everyone can afford Europe or or Asia or what have you. But you know, you can get in your car and you yeah, can you drive around. Drive around. Drive to drive. That's a big thing. Like you're from Florida. I'm from Texas. We've both lived in Los Angeles. And I don't know if you've experienced it, but I've definitely experienced like this real bias against Southerners. That people on the on the coast tend to have. Yeah, I always thought it was kind of a joke. It is, but it's also kind of rooted in like this this sort of elitism and this sort of um, misconception of what people in the South are like. But to your earlier point, when you do travel, when you when you kind of get out, get your head out of the electronics, and you go into some unknown territory, what you end up finding is that those unknown territories are far more familiar than you think that they are. Mm-hmm. They're filled with families and people trying to find love, trying to find stability, trying to find some meaning in life, trying to have a life worth, uh, you know, remembering when they pass, it, yeah, you know, and they're on your, they're on your team in that kind of way. Yeah, like, no absolutely. What, like, you're the same, but like, exactly. I, always, I always felt like the whole, the, when I moved from Florida to LA, I always thought that was a joke because I was like, Oh yeah, no, we're great. Why would you think that? I had no idea that it was like, a real thing. And they were like, yeah. oh, those guys are idiots. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. I mean, there's there's idiots everywhere. But the whole Florida man thing, I thought was hilarious because whatever. Like, who cares? Yeah. There are a lot of stupid people. But uh, what's funny about Florida is, uh, is, what is it? The only state that uh, every crime that's committed is publicly uh, Im- immediately Im- uh, uh, inserted into the public domain. And yeah. so the news stories from Florida are the ones that pop up all the time. And, you know, most states are like, yeah, we don't need to do that. We're going to look stupid. Florida's like, ah, whatever, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. And I, you know, I like rednecks. It's it's fun to talk to people that you're like, oh, wow, there's people like you still. That's cool. Nothing yeah. wrong with it. Like uh, whatever they think, it's fine. I, I was born in Mississippi. It was kind of a, that place is, it was rough, but uh, same hometown as Snoop Dogg, which is kind of funny. Really? Interesting. Yeah, he told me, he was like, uh, I was like, where are you from? I was like, oh, Macomb. He's like, Mississippi? Oh like, yeah, <laughs> same place. Uh, that was hilarious. But my grandma, she was awesome. She was uh, you know, she was very, very redneck. She'd say, yeah. you know, some offensive stuff. My my girlfriend, you know, my my first girlfriend, we did it for like several years. I uh, kind of took her up to uh, around that area, and I was like, uh, I was like, should I introduce her to my grandma? Maybe not. <laughs> but she's not. I don't know. I should have, I should have, but she was like, yeah, we don't need to. Cause, uh, she knew, but I, 
you know, my grandma, she would drop the M-bomb every once in a while. But uh, I told her, I was like, like, I told my grandma about her and I was like, she's amazing. And then uh, she asked me, she's like, does her hair bead water? And I was like, wow. What, what is that? <laughs> wow. That but I was like, yes. And she's like, hmm. I don't think she would. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's funny because like you were saying, you meet people and then uh, you guys are going through the same struggle and uh, they have their own biases that are discarded when they when they uh, get the information that you're like, hey, you guys are the same. And uh, <clears throat> at the time, I was just like, yeah, this is funny. It's well, it's hard to see people that exist that are. Yeah. Different. Well, it's 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 a funny thing because I, I think if you I think some people will react to the idea of having someone in their family who has in best case scenario, antiquated views, worst case scenario, outright really racist views. Right. Yeah. And there's this idea that like, there's an anger that should come from that. And I understand that. Absolutely. But when it's people that you love, it just gets so much harder to do that. I mean, I guess there are folks that can do that, but it's a very callous sort of rejection of them as a whole, rather than a recognize, recognizing of, of their flaws and, um, not judging them on the whole of that flaw, you know, but, but maybe again, in the best case of scenarios, hope in help them also get introduced to a culture and society that they're not used to so that they can realize that there's not really the differences that they think that there are. Right. Um, those things can, those things get eradicated pretty quickly in person, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah, uh, a lot of it's, uh, just ignorance or it's, yeah. uh, you know, where you live. I mean, there are certain areas like, uh, so my buddy, like I said, he would travel every year and he, he goes to Africa and he goes to, uh, you know, India or he goes to Asia or whatever. And so he, uh, sees people that act very differently. Like in Africa, I think it was Tanzania. He was walking around, um, and he encountered his first line of children that were being sold into slavery. Wow. And, uh, he was like, huh, what, what's that? And like, Oh yeah, I mean, you can buy one. He was like, Huh? And so he uh, sort of talked to the people in the area. He was staying with some Airbnb of a very a well-to-do family, and the family was just telling him about it. And like in that, in these certain parts, it's very normal. So much so that no one even bats, and I no one cares. Uh, and so these wow. kids are—they're not only bought and sold into slavery, but like uh, once they're bought, the tradition, the custom is to treat them in a way uh, which is, you know, it would be less than what we treat our pets. Like wow. they're not allowed to sleep inside in the air conditioning. They sleep outside in a den and it's hot in Africa. Right. And so these, these people, and, and you know, it's normal and it's not like they beat them or what I'm sure they do. They must, but like, I mean, I'm guessing somebody will, cause it's always a horrible situation, but the people that are well to do, they're like, Oh yes, no, no, our servant. Now they're great. And then they'll come in, they're happy, they have no clue that what's going on is, uh, it's just not, it's not fun. But it's like for them, it's like, well, I mean, you know, before I was growing up in this tent, every once in a while, some of my friends would get uh, captured and they're, uh, you know, be chopped up by warlords. And then I got captured and now I'm living in this offshoot of a mansion. Very strange. Yeah. It's like, well, it's, how do you it, even rationalize that? You have to see it in person, but. Well, we all do though, right? Because you know, we, we I then we have to travel. Yeah, I hear that story, and I'm very shocked by it. I'm sure most yeah. people listening will. But but I 
in spite of my knowledge of it, I probably don't give very many second thoughts to the fact that every piece of electronic equipment I use is made in some sweatshop in Asia. That's exactly. You know, so we justify, you know, there's 70,000 homeless people in Los Angeles and um, it's been pissing rain and, and there's been diseases and there's all kinds of it's dangers been for them. for a while. Yeah. Has you it never rained that much? It's never rained this much. I don't think. I don't. I don't remember it. No. That's funny. But there's all these atrocities and um, cruelty that we're capable of that we benefit from every day. It's like, but it's, it's out yeah. of sight, out of mind. So we don't. It's, it's just like, yeah. It's, it's almost like okay. So cruelty is a very specific thing. But so mm-hmm. if you, but it's like that same thing with like the gradual creep, like the little step by step, baby steps. You don't realize. Like you're like, how far is this into cruelty territory? Like that's just a little bit more than it was a little bit before, right? And then you don't really understand what it is until you go. So it's almost like uh, I always thought it would be cool if people just you have to incorporate traveling, and it's expensive because of the flight. But if you go somewhere, like uh, I saw the movie Hostel when I was in like uh, mm-hmm. whatever long time ago, and I was like, ah, that's it. I'm never traveling. <laughs> I'm never <laughs> staying in a hostel. Not doing that. And then a couple of years later, my body's like, hey, you want to go stay in a hostel? I was like, uh, all right. So we go, we, and it's the coolest thing ever, and there's no Americans. Nice. Because Americans watch Hostel. Right, and they're and afraid so of it. None of us go. So we go, and it's all, everyone from everywhere, and they're beautiful, smart people, and they're happy, and they, and they travel every single year, and they always stay in hostels. I'm like, you guys want to die? They're like, what are you talking about? They don't have that movie on their radar. And uh, so you go and it's fine. It's literally, what is it? $10 a night uh, max. It was the highest. Uh, I might be 20. So, but mostly it was like about 10, 10 bucks a night. Like sometimes you would stay on this, like on the, on, on the water itself in like uh, Panama or uh, Colombia, super cheap, uh, you know, whatever. There's a tons of, tons of hostels. What's it called? Uh, there's a hostel website, hostelworld.com. I don't know if it's okay. still up. I don't know if it's up still after the pandemic. I think it is. But, oh, my God, there's this uh, there's this place we went to in Panama where you have to drive down in a bus and you walk, you hike up this hill like for 15 minutes and it's just hill. You're like, ah, this is terrible. And you keep hiking and then you see this little uh, evidence of like this little yellow brick thing in the distance at the top of the hill and you just keep going. And it it turns out to be this big yellow like – city not a city like a town thing mm-hmm. like a village uh and it's cool and you, you get there these this canadian family bought this chunk of land and built an awesome little mini yellow uh baby town and you can mm-hmm. go up and stay there for nothing and then you get there uh you know a couple of bucks you get there and, and the food's like three dollars all you can eat and then they have all these like fun adventures to go on and uh it's like crazy because you could literally just stay there and just work for them in the, you know, like help out at the hostel growing their business, which keeps growing. So you talk to people that work there, you're like, how long you been here? Like, ah, six years. We're like, huh, why, why? Like I came out here for two weeks and I just didn't want to go back. Wow. Like, well, what did you, what do you do for money? I make eggs. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I cook eggs and I uh, harvest eggs. Like, All right. There's a cool, there's a lot of options, but but doesn't that highlight the 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 reality that a simplistic life can oftentimes 
be some of the most gratifying. That the more stuff that we accumulate and that we gather and that we consume that is designed to make us happy, that's designed to make mm-hmm. us you know, connect all over, you know, you always see that expression, like with the internet, we connect all over the world. And to some degree that is true because you and I are having a conversation, you're in Las Vegas, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, uh, but, but at the end of the day, it is satisfying versus this, this bloke who's makes eggs for the last six years yeah. at some hostel and loving some, it. Loving and he, his and life. Yeah. yeah. Why do you need to, I mean, yeah. You know, why do we have to think that we're not doing enough by, living in uh, the constraints of some different society that, you know, we, we haven't experienced uh, natural life. And it's like anything we can do to get to the point to where we can just hang out and uh, feel humanity once in a while. I think it would heal us. Yeah, I agree <laughs> wholeheartedly. Do you, cause you have been in the public eye for a long time now. A little bit. Does that, does that feel like, more necessary for you because i'm sure for you like your entire life for at least the last 10 or 12 years has been people seeing a version of you um and probably making assumptions or whatever maybe or or maybe on your end you feel the need to project yourself in a certain way which i to me as a as a as someone who could get off the internet tomorrow and no one would give a fuck like having to sort of experience that feels very disconnecting to me i've always found it I've always found it weary when you start to get to a place place where people are recognize you for what you do, which is great. And I'm sure it feels really awesome to like be recognized and appreciated, but also then you start dipping your toe into like celebrity influence. And then that's a weird thing. Right. Or, or have you kind of felt okay with it? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, it, it's fun. Uh, if you make something that you think is really funny and you, you put it up and then people connect with it. It feels great. But uh, sometimes you, I don't know. It's, it, I mean, it's like a whole timeline. Like you can make stuff and then I guess you're proud to put it out. And people are like, oh, you, this is different from what your fans want. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Who are my fans? Like right. oh, the, people, the people that they told you they like you. Like, well, if they like me, then why don't they like this? You know, like, so I'll put out a serious song. Or, or, or something and I get it it's, it's it's you want to appeal to as many people as possible if you want to succeed in the temporary world of social media um, but if you uh, if you don't do something that is different on purpose uh, you're gonna feel trapped in a, in a box and if you're if you feel trapped you're gonna hate it and so yeah. almost you have to like I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm no expert at it, but like in my head, I was like, Hey, this was really fun, but I don't like it now. So I want to do something completely different and see what happens. And then you're like, all right, some people absolutely love it. Some people like hate it. And I'm like, okay, but it feels great. And if you don't do it, you're going to feel uh, weird. Cause you're, you're going to feel like you're scamming yourself maybe out of your potentially things you're supposed to communicate. I don't know how, I don't know how it works. Like, cause if you make up something, like a song, like my favorite mm-hmm. thing ever is music. If you make up a song that is uh, beautiful in, in your head and, and you want to put it out and you want it to be real and then you try and then this is what I would do. I would listen to it and I'm like, okay, I see where it wants to go, but it'd be a lot easier to make it funny. So then I would right. delete all the beauty out of it and then make it comedy and post it. And I still love that, but I would lose the original 
song that I thought was beautiful. Not saying it is, but in my head, I'll write a song and I'm like, oh, this is nice. It's, you know, oh, because I would write these like love songs. And then I would, uh, and I'd delete it and I'd write something else over top of it. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, I, I, yeah, I mean, I look, I can't imagine that pressure when, like, for example, like this podcast, I, I don't, this is not my source of income. So I can do with it what I want. I can have on it whom I want. I can frame it however I want. And if people don't like it, they just won't listen. And that's fine. That's okay. Um, and I've talked to a few other people who are very creative. Hmm? I think that's the way to do it. I don't know. I mean, if you don't care about it at all in, in a financial way, then you can be real. And that helps you harvest yourself. Or maybe not harvest. Harvest is a it'd be more like a helps you build up your ability to later uh continue like let's say you if you're being real and and you're building up the love for your uh, what you're doing and you feel like it's it's good and right and then you can start to do it on a regular basis knowing that your heart's in the right place and then later you can get corrupted a little bit because uh, mm-hmm. they'll be like, hey, we'll pay you if you say that you like the these toothpicks. And you're like, I don't know, man. These toothpicks are harvested in the Congo. They're like, I just <laughs> say you like these toothpicks. Like, oh, okay, these, these toothpicks are good. But you'll be able to last a little longer <laughs> harvesting yeah. off of a real base. Not that yeah. it's bad to do sponsorships, really. It's not. But unless you're doing them and you know that they're evil or something somehow in some way. Right. Which you but can't it's- do that. But that's 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 the challenge, right? Everyone I know who's creative like wants to make money doing what they love, uh, and and of course they do. Anyone does. That's the you dream. Have to find out what you love first, and the only way to do that is just focus on the love. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're dead on, dead on. You really that's it. And 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 I think also be willing to redefine what success is for you for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it's important for me. Uh, and, and, you know, again, maybe if I was doing it a different way, I'd make a lot more money than I am. But, um, you know, for me, it's like, if you are authentic to yourself and if you, and if the joy of creating is, uh, something that, that is really important to you, then the rest Mm -hmm. is the rest and it is what it is. And, um, more often than not, you will find an audience. I think you'll find someone who appreciates what you do as much as you do. And, and hopefully maybe it starves off that feeling that it's becoming a job Mm. or an obligation instead Mm -hmm. of like a passion. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Like if you, if you do it enough uh, and you're like, all right, let me just go into this direction and not listen to anyone. And I'm going to go in this direction for a while and then see how big the snowball gets. And if it feels like you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done. If you don't like it anymore, you don't do it. If you're not progressing at it, like everybody tries something and you get it to a point to where you're either satisfied with it or not. And uh, and then if you want to keep growing, you have to do the work. And if you want to do the work, it's going to, you know, it can keep growing. But do you want to go down that path? Because everybody in the world goes down the wrong path for them at some point. And that's fine. Yeah. But you can go. My uncle, he was a lawyer, firefighter and a doctor, medical doctor, surgeon, four different crafts. And each one of them took years. It was like 20 years to go down these paths. And he was like, I don't like it. I don't like it. He was a pilot. He was an electrician. He was like all these things. You're like, how long has he been alive? And then he ended up just, he became a warden and he just loved being a warden because they, all the other ones that he 
uh, he had heard about, he met, he would find out they were corrupt. And he was like, all right, that's it. I'm getting in here. He goes into this corrupt system and that's his goal is to, you know, help Clean out to make sure that, you know, to do what he can to be honest in it. I don't know if that was his passion, but he was a brilliant dude. He just passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, he got the vaccine and the day after he, uh, they cut his legs off and the day after that he died. Coincidence. Wow. My condolences, but wow, that's terrible. It, but he was, uh, yeah, he was old. He was seventy something years old. So, but it was, it was very strange. It was like the whole stuff's going on, and uh, he goes in to get it. And I was like, oh, cool, all right. And then right away, like something happened. He has major blood clots, and, and I posted about it on on YouTube, but it got deleted. I posted about it uh, on Facebook, and I was like, why can't I say that? That doesn't make any sense. And then I was like, okay, I don't trust any of this at all. <laughs> all of a sudden. Yeah, there's, there's, there's. Unfortunately, I, I, I said this a long time ago. Like every because everything became politicized, there is, um, there's no appetite for discussion or sharing of antidotes or um, perspectives or even just being open minded to the dangers that any medication yeah. would provide. You know, like for example, my my example earlier about Paxil. Paxil is probably a very safe antidepressant to take. But if you don't take it properly, there are dangers to that. Yeah. And to your point earlier that that's something a doctor should have told me. And a doctor did tell me, but it wasn't a doctor. It wasn't my doctor. Yeah. Some doctor I was serving coffee to. Um, we don't – we aren't open to hearing those stories because it automatically classifies you one way or another. Right. You know, um, I had another friend of mine. It shouldn't, but it and does. It, sh- it should and, – and, and, you know, look, I, it was a scary time. And I think everyone's emotions were very high, mm-hmm. and um, it was already in this in smack middle in a very diversive time. On top of that, um, politically, mm-hmm. and so I think that folks were prone to jump to one conclusion or another, um, and then dig their heels in, mm-hmm. and um, and that includes me too. Like when I, because I got COVID um, in January of twenty twenty one. Yeah, January of twenty twenty one. So oh, you held almost out. A, huh? What was that? You held out a long time, right? It was. I held out for almost a year. Almost wow. a year, I, I I avoided it, and then um, and then I got it pretty severely, and I was sick for like a month. Mm. Um, re- really severe, like to the point where I and I told my wife this, like, I prepared to die. I didn't want to die, but like, <laughs> but like, there's a reality. There's a there's a, and I'm sure people experience this all the time. But like, there's a reality when you realize, like, you you, you do I have lose, a will? I need a will, sweetheart. Yeah, you lose that. You lose that. That that arrogance that, will. that you'll live forever. Yeah, and I was yeah. like starting to really consider, like, shit. I'm that could be the end, and I wasn't thankfully, you know. And I and I carried on, and then um. So for me, from my perspective, when I, when the vaccine first became available a month later, month and a half later, I immediately rushed to get it Mm. because I was coming off a pretty physically traumatic experience, you know, Mm -hmm. um, another friend of mine, uh, who lives in Australia and that, you know, they got their vaccines way, way later than us. Mm. He had heard about blood clots and things of that nature. And he decided to hold off. And uh, he wasn't inherently against anything, but he just wanted to wait and just kind of see mm-hmm. what happened first. You know, make sure no one grows a third eye you're or what have you. Do. You're supposed to do. Well, I mean, there's a law in America where you're not allowed to approve any medicine at all unless it has five to ten years. Five years minimum. Ten years is recommended. Five to ten years of long-term data 
for any vaccine. So the only vaccine yeah. we've ever approved uh, before that was this one because of the emergency authorization, whatever, warp right. speed. So Trump was like, ah, we're good. You just rush it in, do it. And so that made me like, uh, no, no, no. I, like, why Why would I trust this guy? You know, uh, and, and so that made me very hesitant. And then I saw problems happening. And yeah, from my perspective, and I was yeah. like, I'm out. Like, I don't need it. I looked up the death rate. It's like 90, it's like 0.01% or it was 0.05% for a little bit. But then for certain age groups, it was like three to 5% over 70. Uh, but then it was like, no one, it was like, no one had ever died under 18 for months, you know, right. whatever. And I was like, okay, so zero in this, in this category. And maybe they need more time to figure it out or whatever, but it didn't, it went up to from zero, it went up to 16 over the next year. And then it went up to, uh, uh, 3000 or something like that in the month after the shots were started to get administered to kids. And you're like, mm. okay. And, but this is the data I was looking at. I mean, whatever, I'm not like a professional, but right. I'm, I'm like, okay, well, why are we giving it to the kids? And so I assume it's like a money or people are rushing. They want to be the winner or whatever. Uh, and I don't like it, but, uh, I had COVID and it sucked. It was a real thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a tr- whatever it's a tr- it was, it was a real thing. Doesn't I don't know what it was. It was a thing that I'd never felt before. Whatever that yeah. was, it was worse than it wasn't that bad, but it was like rough. Yeah, the first time I got it, like I said, I thought I was gonna die. I got it about a month ago, again, and it only lasted four days and was just like a bad flu. Yeah. It's a tricky thing, and that's the thing that I think people just need to introduce a little bit of compassion into how they approach yeah, stuff because people are skeptical of things yeah. that should be so like okay cool we be yeah. skeptical that has doesn't affect me like it does affect me but you know you have to wear a mask you're like well i don't want to wear a mask and then so you're like okay well how do you how do you resolve that because there are studies cdc put out a study early on that said uh it was like this study from the northeastern united states they uh they took it was like a survey they did over six months and the mm-hmm. people that wore masks were 10 times, like a thousand percent more likely to catch COVID than the people who didn't wear masks, which is insanely high. So you're like, eh, how'd mm-hmm. that happen? I don't know. But that's their data was like uh, based on a survey. And so like it, it made everyone think, OK, masks are definitely horrible. Worst case right. scenario, just don't don't wear it. It increases your transmissibility rate by up to a thousand percent. But that was based on surveys and surveys. You know, people might have lied about whether they even caught it. You don't really know. So it's like we can't – there's no uh, – like science is is truth. There's no two uh, truth. Like scientists can disagree and, to, and then they have to debate and then one of them is right and one of them is wrong and they're not allowing yeah. debate. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. That, that, that's really what it comes down to, right? Because the reality of it is is that um, there are pros and cons to everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it takes time to figure out what the reality of things are. I mean, I, I saw a meme uh, on Reddit that was like some cigarette um, company from like the 70s, like a cigarette ad. And they were advertising uh, asbestos filters for their cigarettes <laughs> to reduce <What>? cancer. <laughs> Brilliant. And, you know, we laugh They're at that now. in the name. Asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we recognize that as ridiculous now because we now know that asbestos can lead to cancer. But back then they didn't have that information, right? So in their mind, I'm sure they thought that that was like 
a legitimate filter. It uses yeah. you use it to insulate your home. What could what's the worst that could happen? More cancer. But um maybe. Maybe maybe. Or maybe they knew. Maybe, maybe, they knew. maybe, maybe they did. somebody knew. And maybe no one cared. And and I yeah. believe that easily. So it, to your point, we need to be and we still aren't, and I'm sure I'll get some weird COVID notification thing on my when this goes up on Spotify. I've noticed it's that real. sort of happens. It's real, people. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's real. But um, these kind of conversations to be had in good faith need to be happening in the in the in the uh, appropriate mediums and should be public. Mm. I think that um, roundtables that are you know, being held in a professional manner, discussing these things publicly to allow people to to make as best of an informed opinion as possible. Because to your point, you know, you can go online and you can find a study and a study will say this. Mm-hmm. And then you can go find another study and it'll right. say the complete opposite. And the average bloke who's not a scientist or a dietitian or a virologist, none of us know. We don't know. We're all guessing. We're all guessing. And we're reaching in the dark and we're hoping that whatever – um, piece of information that we find is reliable and that we can form a good opinion based on that. And the reality of the all, excuse me, of all of it is, is that more often than not, because we live in a 24 second news cycle, mm. most of the data that's put out there from any which source you want to look at is probably soaked in some form of bias or, or agenda. And, it's a very difficult position for the average person to be in. And I think that that means that a little bit more compassion needs to be had for folks who are making whatever, whatever the best decision that they can make for them and their families. And it's, it's, it's a complicated issue. No one's, no one should be saying that they have the right answer. Certainly no one who's unqualified should be saying that they have 100% the right answer. I think the best that we can do is make the best decision for us and our family and and make that decision on the best information possible and and work together to to resolve things in a in a way that's you know protects folks and also protects freedom because that is an important thing as well that we're we're all too willing to give up but at the same time um, and I'm not you know I'm not going to cling to this this banner of freedom at the expense of health, but it's not so simple and it requires a lot of conversation and debate. And to your point, at some point through that scientific method, you should uncover the truth. You should. Well, yeah, I mean, you would, if it was uh, as long as it's honest, but the problem is like, all right, one of those people is lying and that's that that everybody knows it. Everyone's like, all right, who's lying? How do you de- decipher it? Because it's like, all right, you have to prove it in a study that can be recreated to prove this. And you have to have a scientist that disagree with you that can do it. But we're, we're in a, a strange time where there's uh, you get a big payoff if you agree with the richest person. And yeah. that's the problem is we are all agreeing with some rich person somewhere. And yeah, because it's all it's all rich people. Trust me. If you're a person who like, if you're the most QAnon-y QAnon person in the world, right? If you believe in lizard people, that's or you the believe whole in thing, that's yeah. It's like okay, yeah. so who made this? Why there's is some thing? rich person behind it all? It wasn't like a freelance thing uh, yeah. where some guys like, hey, it's my conspiracy. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe it was, but I don't think it was. I think I, I assume that there's an agenda behind it that was yeah. like, hey, we need to make this thing look like this, and then they're like, hey. 
mention lizard people. And then like, hey, mention this, 5G. And then, uh, uh, hey, 5G, well, that one's real. But I mean, the lizard people thing, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but, uh, I, but, but it is funny because if you, if, you, if you hear something that sounds insane, this is yeah. not something that, you know, maybe you should do because like, eh. But uh, it's interesting to look it up. Look up if you hear something that someone tells you is the dumbest idea they've ever heard. It's so stupid. I hate those people. Look it up. You're like, all right, I'm going to look up the pros and cons of that. Let's look up the pros and cons of this specific thing. You'll find like, okay, there's some truth in there. They're they're trying to hide and they're like, well, and they're trying to amp it up to make it sound crazier than it is. But like, eh, like the whole 5G thing, 5G, whatever. I don't know too much about it, but I I was in Florida for a while. And so Florida people, uh, they they love talking about this stuff because they're you know they're ready to go. They're like, ah, what are they doing? We got to solve right. it before before it happens. And so five G. If you look up what five G is, it's in the same uh, spectrum as the microwave. And so mm-hmm. microwave is is close to. I think five G is smaller, a smaller size. So like if you microwave an ant, which I wouldn't do, but like they won't feel it. Don't do it. But like they're so small, they're smaller than the the length of the band of the microwave. Oh really? One ant. Yeah, you want yeah, like as long as they're not touching another ant, they won't do anything. Don't do it. But uh don't don't harm animals. But it's real. But you can look it up. Someone else has done it and it don't do it. Anyway, but 5G is smaller than that, but it's similar. It heats, you know, it still heats uh smaller particles or whatever. So like, oh, it's like the microwave, it's the same thing. They're trying to microwave us. All right. Right. So there's there's science in it, and it's not necessarily false. But there's something in there that's fuzzy and a bunch of rednecks, you know, they're not stupid. They're just uh, they're they're suspicious. And that's not wrong. But uh, like sometimes like I'll get into the conversations. I'm like, all right, why do you think this is real? And they'll explain it almost. Okay, Okay. And it's not like they're wrong, but they're not educated and they're not scientists. I mean, some of them are. But like the point is. People can have thoughts that are just as valid, uh, and sometimes they're even better. Like, all right, I, I tweeted something. It's like about the smartest people will agree with someone that's smarter than them when the stupidest people – no offense to stupid people, but let's just use that as a contrast. And right. just, well, I don't know what stupid really means, but let's say that you're not as uh, – You're lower intellect, let's say. All my friends are way smarter than me, but – so like <laughs> if you're not smart – uh, it, it's like, who do you trust? That's not always like a thing. Like, all right, do you trust the billionaires or do you trust your best friend that you know is super smart and then they disagree? Well, who are you going to trust? All right. So then you go towards the person that you trust the most usually. And then, yeah. you know, people don't even know how to do their own research and they don't do it because we don't have a lot of friggin' time to do it. But uh, <clears throat> there's facts in all this weirdness. I don't know. I don't know about QAnon, but I know that, uh, the it's like a Trump thing or something, but the whole shaman, I, I listened to a interview of the shaman dude who went oh, to yeah. January the 6th. Buffalo head guy. He seemed totally normal. I mean, yeah, whatever. He was dressing up like a Tauran shaman from world right. of Warcraft. And uh, I was like, okay, what's the big deal? No, no kink shame. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just a kink. Come on. He's a kink. <laughs> Get him out of solitary confinement. He's in solitary confinement for years. Really? Well, because, because uh, I mean, I don't know people, people, people demonize everyone who does anything that they dislike. Like I, I, 
I have always, I've said this from day one when it happened. I think that the January, I'm not trying to make light of it, but I, I have always thought it, it's weird. It's thing. more, it's more reminiscent of a sports riot than mm-hmm. a, a proper coup. Yeah, but you not know, as was, violent, not, not quite as violent as a sports riot. No, not nearly, and no, definitely, and definitely not organized enough or or facilitated in a way that could have uh, assured some measure of of um, accomplishment. It, it it really felt like an override of emotion that led to a lot of chaos, and obviously, I'm sure a lot of people felt very scared. I think someone died, if I remember correctly. Um, I think four four people in the end. I think. Yeah, so I don't want to make light of this because at the end of the day, it's, it is a serious thing and it should be taken seriously. But I think that like probably if you sat some of those people down and you really had a legit conversation with them, you'd probably realize that they're not demons. They may have done something incredibly stupid. I mean, sure, certainly the shaman guy's in jail for years. So, I mean, based on the end results, it, it definitely was dumb. Um, I mean, they didn't even have masks on, so that alone is dumb. I mean, goddamn, they didn't even, they didn't even obscure their identity, so they weren't working <laughs> this out very well. You know, even Batman knows to put a mask on. Like these guys, you well, put a buffalo head on, face goes. <laughs> like he missed the assignment. Like that's the part you're supposed to obscure. He he felt you know like there's this argument that they you know it's it's a video game to them, and yeah. like dude, if I was if I'm dressing like a shaman. I'm going to go with wherever the video game takes me. And this guy went into the Capitol and he was invited in. He was welcome in. And uh, he was like, what's going on or whatever. He was like super stoned or whatever. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, he was stoned. I could, without even knowing that I could tell that yeah, he was just hanging out. It was like a, uh, yeah, it was like a, he was like going to an EDM festival, but there's no EDM at all. Right. And he uh, wasn't a, a coup would be like people with guns. Yeah. For starters. I mean, plans, you know, but these people are like, oh, let's meet here and then say we don't like the mail-in ballots. Like, All right, do it. Nothing wrong with that. But then someone's yeah. like, hey, come into the Capitol. We opened up the magnetic lock for you. Okay, we'll come in. And like, oh, oh. people went in, arrest them forever. <laughs> Why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because I'll tell you what it is. You you do it because. Um, you got to stop. You do it it down. Because what you don't want, you what you don't want is a coup. That's what you don't want. Mm. What you don't want is a real organized uh, insurrection that attempts to overthrow the government. Probably mm. not going to be done by Democrats or Republican. It's probably going to be done with people who have a completely different idea of how the, the government should be run mm. and truly want to make uh, override the system and, and uh, usurp it. We've seen that throughout history. Don't you think so, another country that would do it? Like like subvert like in a like a you know CIA kind of way or like just like invade yeah, and try to take maybe, over maybe 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 like uh sort of uh like let's say you want to take over a country you would uh put people you would send people over there somehow and then you would get them to uh, uh normalize into the culture and then you get them to do the things to sort of mess up the stability try to sabotage their industries. Uh, and I mean, it's not always what happens, but th- this is what happens sometimes. And so when I see what's going on here, I'm like, okay, who is doing this? What other country is doing this? Cause why would we do it? But then right. if you look at Twitter and like, Oh, Americans really do hate America. But eh, I don't think that's true. I think it's social media. People think that they hate America and they shouldn't, but they don't know what they're talking about. But other countries definitely don't like the idea of there being a free country where peasants can speak. 
Like if you're a royalty, you don't want peasants yeah. to be able to say something bad about you. Like, oh, you went to an island? Be like, oh, yeah, no, no. You, you don't get to speak anymore. These guys have infinite money. They have armies, gold, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, and, and like from their perspective, okay, you get it. And, and like, let's say that they make some sort of allegation against a super rich person harming a woman in some way, and it's real. Let's say that it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you don't want that to get out if you're evil. You know, it's right. bad if it gets out. If it's if it's real, it's very bad. Uh, and so you're like, okay, let's kill all of these people and shut down freedom of speech. I mean, that just makes sense. Like thinking about the whole – all right, so like imagining this whole era where people start coming out against people for hurting them or whatever. And in a lot of cases, it's, you know, definitely real. In some cases, it's not, but it doesn't matter for because the point is the people where it is real, they're powerful maybe. And uh, <clears throat> they don't really value human life if they're going to hurt mm-hmm. somebody. And because mm-hmm. they've killed people constantly, they probably spend their whole life abusing and destroying people. Uh, and so like if you if you're like in a Christian uh, a family or whatever, and you're like, everyone deserves the divinity of, of life and should be loved and has a soul. These people don't see that. And so instead, they're like, OK, what's going to hurt me? What's going to hurt my legacy? Uh, you know, get rid of it. And so like it's always felt like to me that it was this like attack against the ability for people to speak for peasants for normal think, people to speak. I think there's a couple of things at play here. Number one, I mean, look, we're not, we're by far not the only country with freedom in the world. I think most countries have a pre-democratized uh, society to voice their opinions on, especially amongst most, not all, certainly of the most powerful countries. Um, I think that though, if you're like a China, for example, or, or maybe even a Russia, but China specifically, I don't really think that you need to quote unquote, destroy freedom. Uh, if, if I'm a strategist, if I'm just playing like a, a risk, the game yeah. of risk, I, I think what you do is you just because I think that's an old approach, you know, military might taking over take, another country. Take out a couple targets. Take out a couple targets. I think uh, you just you make them a consumer. China. What's that? I think I think what you do is you make that country a consumer of your goods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make, no, totally. You make them relying on you. No, that that I, I agree with that. But like, let's say that you're you mentioned China and possibly Russia or whatever. But then there's a, you know, uh, the idea of freedom of speech is being able to say something that will uh, upset your gov- your government. Right. <clears throat> so like in, you know, Germany or Canada or Europe, like you can, there are, what was like 3000 arrests, I think a year in Canada, just from yeah. speech. And uh, so when one person is arrested or punished or disappeared, it doesn't take much for everyone else to be like, okay, I'm never saying anything about this ever again. Cause I'll be fined yeah. $70,000 in Canada. Well, this comedian made a joke about someone offended an audience member. No other comedians did that. This guy got fined right. seventy thousand bucks three years ago, uh, and then in Europe, uh, you know, lot, uh, the several cases of of stuff people getting arrested for stuff that they did that was a hate crime, and that there was no hate in their heart, but it was a hate crime. And so it's a similar way to police people and make them feel like they're free. But in China, there are people that like a friend of mine, her daughter. Her, her her son went to China, uh, went to college and met this dude who was from China and he kissed a guy on camera and then he disappeared back to China somehow she had nothing she had no idea her parents had no idea he got electric shock therapy and was sent back wow. 
absolutely useless. And then his mom disappeared and she's been gone forever. Right. Because her son turned out gay. Right. Well, the sad part is, is um, that's not a conspiracy. That's just history. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a new thing. I think maybe it gets implemented in new ways. But the idea of the government, any government, including America, silencing its critics. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a tale as old as time. I mean, you you mean in recent They'll history, figure out a way to do it if they want to do it. Yeah, just look up Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, JFK, Bobby Kennedy. I mean, that you can go through. I mean, you, they used to just shoot them, and and now there's other ways yeah, of old school canceling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that they didn't, that, have a, they didn't have a ban button. They had to use bullets. I think it's. I think there's. I think that there absolutely is a. I think the governments across the world. And I don't think this is new. I think that they actively find new ways to keep their populace docile. And it doesn't matter how much of a banner of freedom they wave. There's a reason why places like you're not hearing it from places that you would traditionally think of as like, um, uh, you know, being ruled by a despot. You're hearing it from places that are like the vanguards of democracy, Canada, Germany, the United States. Like these aren't these aren't totalitarian states in the traditional sense that are employing this. They're. That's even in the best run countries in the world, there is some level of suppression of agitators. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true for anyone in any power situation. Once you're in a position of power, your number one job tends to be maintaining that level of power, which yeah. means that at some point you're going to have detractors that you're going to have to deal with on some level. And on to your point earlier, when you're talking about like really rich, powerful people having no real humanity or, or, or they're accustomed to making decisions that causes harm or even death. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's much of a leap to, to believe that there are folks out there with agendas and the government is, will find ways to punish people if they step too far out of line. Yeah. The other thing that I think is worth pointing out, uh, and this is especially true through social media, which is that you don't have to put people in jail or shoot them or give them electric shock therapy if you keep them fighting with each other enough to yeah. not really bond together to do much of anything. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was I was thinking the same like the idea of uh, if if you want your uh, like okay, so if people start uh, agreeing or listening to each other, then yeah. they'll start agreeing and they'll start finding a common ground. So you have to gaslight uh, as many people as you can to think that the other ones are evil and so yep. they won't even consider their thoughts and you'll be like those are contagious thoughts they'll <laughs> they'll con- you know you'll be infected and you'll become evil and then so they'll literally they'll listen to that and they'll like ah this guy everything he says is horrible and it's effective i mean it's like a we have a lot of data about it uh you know and so you have to do that and as soon as they start talking they'll stop fighting and then they'll start you know questioning right. things yeah because if you have people from the South, for example, that people on the coast will make redneck jokes about. Yeah. And then you got some like, you know, snobby Californian and you sit them down and you make them have dinner together. You're going to, they're going to have differences. Of course they're going to have differences. <laughs> and there's definitely going to be some uh, societal norms that will be different from, from one culture to the next. But at the end of the day, I think most people are going to find a lot of common ground with one another. And they're going to find that their basic core, um, 
goals align and they yeah. may look at the government and they may look at the price of gas. They may see eroding uh, standard of living. They may see rising cost of homes and mm. uh, vehicles and lowering wages and harder conditions and the lack of, uh, of un- uh, retirement or whatever. Right. They look at all the stuff that's not going well and they might say, Maybe there's a better way. And that is the number one uh, enemy of any state of power, which is a bunch of people, your populace, saying, maybe there's a better way. Yeah, exactly. Maybe this king has no clothes, you know. But but there's one other other element that I think is really important to note, especially when we start talking about, like, how it's weaponized in a canceling perspective, Mm. which is I think that for most people – um, and this is just as proves to me how successful people in power are at keeping the have nots, um, the working class folks at each other's throats it, with such limited effort, really. Um, I think that if you present a problem that seems too difficult to overcome, that more often than not, no matter how op- oppressive it may be, people will look to fight some smaller argument or fight or dispute rather than bond mm. together to, to tackle the big, yeah. the big issue. Yeah, what is that about? It's easier. That's great. That's exactly it. Like think about this. If you were a mountain climber, right. Um, or you liked climbing mountains and you saw Everest and you're like, fuck, that's like, you know, I could die going up there. Mm. Right. It might be easier for you to go to like, whatever some local mountain in burbank and climb that instead the bunny and hill. bunny yeah hill. The bunny, exactly because <laughs> you've done something you've accomplished something yeah and you're you you do not put yourself in a because let's be real if we if we all simultaneously were like the government's this is not working this is exploitive it's it's it, life's getting worse we're gonna do something about it right we, we, our generation that starts this quote unquote revolution probably doesn't reap any of the benefits of it. It will be in the best case scenario, the generation that follows, maybe even the generation after that. And that's under the best case of scenarios. So I think for most folks, that kind of sacrifice, that kind of um, commitment and position of failure uh, proposition of failure, it's just too much. And so they'd rather fight over some stupid shit on Twitter. Because then you can maybe feel like you want something and then you can go back to your job that sucks and your life that sucks and your whatever. But you'll feel like you'll convince yourself that you got something. You got something from life. And that's enough to keep you pacified and not making a bigger stink about the real issues that are going on that affect not just a small minority of people, but really everyone across multiple different subcultures. Yeah, we have to win some battles. And if you don't, then you're like the whole – day feels worthless and you yeah. try to win you're like all right well this little thing i'm very confident about it and then someone's like well hold on what about this bigger issue that your thing is uh causing and they're like no no no. and then they try to they still rationalize it because it's hard to look like we, we don't teach uh history in like the macro uh history format mm-hmm. and like we don't look at empires and like uh, th- there's a really awesome essay that I've tweeted a couple times, but uh, uh, I might have told you about it. It's called The Fate of Empires. And mm-hmm. it's like it's this guy, Sir, Sir Thomas Glove. It was written 100 years ago. And he goes over each uh, empire that, you know, most of the empires that you can find 
in history. And uh, on average, every one of them lasted about 250 years, which is weird. Wow. It's a very specific number. Like five yeah. of them out of maybe 12 lasted 250 years exactly. And lasted, it doesn't mean that they end, like, you know, the, the very right. end of it. But it's like they start, they, they collapse. That's the point where they lost it. Uh, there's civil war. And then they restructure. And uh, it's it's strange. It's like that 10 generations of uh, of, of people in the civilization, it takes 10 generations for people to lose hope and then uh, actively try to dissolve their own empire because they don't love it anymore. They love right. it at the beginning and they, they fight for it and they do conquests and they, they are uh, merchants, become famous. Like, oh, this guy, he's found us gold in this area. We're going to go harvest it. And, and then, you know, a decade later, they're like, you know, we figured out like this, this dude is uh, doing whatever else, like acting or, or musicians, uh, artists, my dogs are barking, but like okay. uh, it's organized in like, uh, it starts out with, with warriors are the heroes. Like there's yeah. four heroes at the beginning of an empire. Cause like you started out, you broke out from some tyrannical thing. You start your own thing. And then your war heroes are the ones that helped you. They led a lot of the armies. Those people are the idols of the generation. And then it, it, it changes into, I don't have all of it in order, but it's like a, it turns into merchants uh, for some reason because they figure out how to make it profitable. And then it turns right. into artists, turns into uh, literature, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then it, at the very end, it becomes, well, it, it, first it becomes actors, before right before the end it's actors who mm. are they become famous for acting and plays and whatever and then right after that it's intellectuals but the actors and intellectuals are always fighting at the end of the empire which is very funny because right now we have that we have the intellectuals that are speaking for hours like hey here's this uh solution i think and then there's another intellectual that talks to him it's like well i disagree and here's why and they're both brilliant right and there's actors that are saying something else and these actors are getting paid a ton of money, you know, typically to say, no, 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 let's do this. And those guys are motivated by something else. But these two intellectuals are uh, debating. And then the whole empire is guided into the rocks, basically, because no one can agree on what uh, what side is right, because everyone's so smart that they can uh, make their own points very well. But the actors yeah. will just pretend everything's fine. And they build up a big following too. And it's crazy because this is a hundred years ago. We have actors right. now that are so confident in stuff that they don't really know anything about <clears throat> and whatever. I mean, they believe it, but that's just how empires work. It's how humans work. And uh, it's like a weird well, thing. Fame. And I don't even think you have to think about traditional actors like a Brad Pitt or a Tom Cruise type person. Like I think what you're also describing is people who enter the arena positioned as intellectuals, or, sure. or influencers or, or talking heads or whatever, maybe yeah, exactly. But they're, but they're as much on the take as if they were Brad Pitt taking on the role and they are serving some larger master or selling a product or selling a book or a, a supplement of, or exactly. Whatever. But it's, yeah, it's the people that are, uh, that have no, uh, right. Uh, they don't write their own books or whatever. They're just sort of actors hired to, to whatever. Right. And they put on plays and these plays happen, uh, in, literal like theater format and they also happen in like well this guy is uh you know i trust him because every time i see him he's talking to loud groups of people but there's no uh they don't have uh you know documents published they don't have like a 
things that they've done that they've earned respect uh, by doing that, they just kind of appeared. And that yeah. would be the actors in the, the days. But like, you know, a lot of a lot of actors like theater actors would become political people. Right. Because they're personable and charismatic. They're already and, in established. And they, they yeah. would start out by performing in plays or, or traveling around. And then they would become the speakers for that town or that area. It's awesome. Read it. Fate of Empires is freaking good. Fate, There's an audio there too. It's really good. Uh, I wonder if, and I, we're getting close to the end, so I'll leave you with this thought. Um, do you think that social media is that theater, which this this phase in the fall of the empire that is the United States is is playing out? Like, our, like do, can we look at a, uh, something like a Twitter where everyone has an equal voice of sorts mm. um, and you can amass – power based on how many people you can get to agree with your point and um you don't really have to have any real qualifications you just have to be a cult of personality yeah and your voice can be treated with equal regard to someone who had spent you know decades on their craft and and whatever it doesn't have to be all political it could be about it's it's the way it's it's it sort of sums up how i strongly feel about a lot of movie critics right just some just some person writing some words that never done it, never tried to do it, doesn't really understand it, but they're charismatic enough in their writing or they're controversial enough, which oftentimes plays in the same way mm-hmm. in, 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 in a way that allows for them to amass enough followers. And then their opinion, which is rooted in nothing substantial, becomes um, authenticated. Yeah. I don't know. That's something that's kind of funny because uh, critics have always my whole life. I've never looked at a critic and uh, thought they, their opinion was valid. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I, maybe it's the time that I grew up, but it was, uh, you know, I would usually hear the opinion of the critic and then I would watch it and disagree with them always. And then Rotten Tomatoes came out and I realized everyone was disagreeing with the critics. Yeah. I was like, these guys are just saying stuff that's false. And then. Last year, two years ago, uh, Rotten Tomatoes starts like uh, filtering their user uh, reviews and they'll restrict users uh, for whatever reason. And the ratings are changing to where you're like, OK, well, so it's it, it's not real anymore. I mean, wh- whatever that is, but that feels like propaganda. Critics feels like propaganda. Yeah. Um, but I've never I've never like listened to a critic ever and been like, yeah, OK. Well, Roger Ebert or whatever, he liked it. Okay, I'm going to check it out. I've never done yeah. that once. But maybe before our generation, maybe people did. I don't know. But yeah. Well, I think I think the idea of gatekeeping, um, now it's used as sort of a negative term, and maybe it always has been, but the idea that there were tastemakers used to be something that was – because because we didn't have access to everything, mm. we kind of – Yeah. We, we put our trust into names um, that, that – hopefully never betrayed that trust yeah. right so someone like a movies we can only watch like you know a couple movies a month or whatever I'm like, right. all right well which one should i watch roger and then you, you right. watch it i think what happened is that over time because again we're in a 24 second news cycle we just got to constantly churn yeah. content out um the people who like robert ebert who treated uh robert. Film i kept saying roger son of a bitch oh wait shoot it is Roger. You're right. No, 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 no. Wrong. no you're, you're right. right. Is it Roger? I think it's Roger Ebert, not Robert Ebert. Right, hold on. Roger. He's his brother. He's, uh, he works. It is Roger. Okay. Okay. Phew. Yeah. Um, I think that the people uh-huh. who like, like Roger Ebert, who treated film criticism as a craft, 
those people, um, just like any other field, there's only so many masters in any particular field. Yeah. And then if you, if the amount of masters super, uh, if the, if the demand for reviews supersedes the people who are actually good at it, then those positions will be filled by people who are not good at it. Mm. And unfortunately they become the majority. And a lot of those people utilize what I call cheap heat to get famous. They get on Twitter they have some stupid, uh, very controversial opinion, like mm. Martin Scorsese's never re- directed a good movie or something. <laughs> you know, no, and, it pisses, right. it, and it and I'm sure if I looked on Twitter, I'd find some article that yeah. says exactly that. I just made it just up. Shit on anybody awesome, and you'll fucking yeah. get an audience. I there was a whole bunch of people who were complaining <laughs> about like 2001: A Space Odyssey, like not that long ago. So you just you you come up with some hack-eyed opinion that is going to probably irritate more people. Than it, than people will agree with, but though you'll find those people who hate 2001: A Space Odyssey and think it's dumb, mm. they didn't understand it, whatever, it's overrated. You'll find that you'll find that vocal minority. So they'll, was that? Have you seen it? Oh yeah, worst movie ever. How dare you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go no, to the I corner. Just, I wanted to build an audience. Yeah, like, you're doing you're doing a much better job than I am. <laughs> but those people, you know, you, you'll you'll what you'll create is an atmosphere of just nonstop shouting and bantering which drives engagement and the cycle continues and so when you talk about those actors that are playing in the theater form i think that those actors aren't i i I would i from my perspective don't i wouldn't box it strictly into what like the people we consider actors today i think that that role is played by a lot of people and i think that because there's such a, a need for constant information and content and points of view that people who have no business giving a verifiable point of view, they not only do, but they gain an audience that listens to that. And then, Mm. and then you, and then everyone's a goddamn expert. So no one can listen to anyone because they all know best. And, and then we're in just a a state of discord. Yeah, sure. But don't forget that is a big part of it is literal actors. Oh, yeah. It's a big part. Like uh, the guy who assassinated, uh, what's his name? Some president, whoever. Uh, Lincoln? That's the one. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but uh, so the guy who assassinated him was a uh, super. John Wilkes famous. Booth. Yes, John Wilkes Booth. And he was a very famous actor. And not only that, his whole family was all actors. You go back in his lineage, they're actor, actor, actor. He was the next booth. He was the uh, two years ago. I tweeted something. It was like uh, he was the Alec uh, Alec Baldwin of his time. Wow! And then a year after I said that, Alec Baldwin accidentally killed somebody. I was like, ah, fuck! I feel bad about that. But literally, it was actors that are very passionate about politics, and he was super passionate. And so he went out. He uh, he disagreed, and then he hunted him down and killed killed him, ran away, whatever. And but he was an amazing theater actor, John Wilkes Booth. Right. Uh, unfortunately, you can't watch videos of him performing. I'm sure he's very good. Probably not as good as Alec Baldwin. Uh, right. He's he's great. But uh, but it's literal actors in a lot of cases. Uh, for the for the last 300, 400 years at least, uh, are the people that at the you know, at various points they get compromised, and yeah, everybody sees that. It's like you get paid to promote things that are yeah you want they want you to say because they want people to hear it but uh yeah be your no, own. and look I, I i lean into what ricky javara said at like the golden globes a few years ago 
uh, and I'll paraphrase it, but most of these folks didn't even graduate from high school. Yeah. Like they've got, oh. they've got no, they live in ivory towers. They have, they have zero ability to relate to the average person. Uh, and I'm not talking about working actors, you know, I'm talking about like those people. Take like your a, award, sit yeah. down, shut up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because again, just like the random people on, on the Twitter, um, what qualifications do any of these people have? I mean, I lo- I think Leonardo DiCaprio is a fantastic actor, but like <clears throat> if he's still flying around on private jets, I just don't know if I hear his environmental message as well. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's not because I think that there are – it's not a purity test that I'm hoping that he passes. It's just like there's a overt hypocrisy that is glaring, and I just don't know if that's the best person to be delivering that message. Right. Yeah. From my perspective, it's like, eh, okay. Well, maybe he has some subversive message that, eh, all right, maybe, maybe it'll be all right. Maybe, maybe he's got a good point, uh, even though he's being devious. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Because yeah. literally, if I'll talk to people that I know that are very strongly, very political, they'll be like, they'll, they'll, they'll act like they support an issue, and then I'll cut to the bottom of it, and then, and then it'll be like, uh, you know, like, eh, there's. We the earth could do with six billion less people. And I got wow. what? What? What do you mean? Kill them? Like, oh, well, you know, if they died, it would be fine. What? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. okay. but that's you can't say that. But that that is the undertone of all of it. The whole point is get rid of that's like the agenda. Get rid of ninety percent of the population, and then start us over, and we'll be in uh, whatever that Will Smith movie is. Le- I am Legend, where yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. you know. And it's like, okay, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too worried because life wins always, but right. sometimes earth has a horrible catastrophe and then it shuts down and then it starts over. But there's a video that's crazy. I'll send it to you, but it's like a, it, it goes over the time frame of the universe and you just realize, obviously like we have a little blip of life and it's a beautiful thing, but you look at it and like the amount of time that life even exists in our own area is so insanely small. It's such crazy yeah. decimal place that, you know, what's his name? Smoke the grass. Tyson. <laughs> Neil deGrasse. Neil deGrasse. Tyson. I'll smoke the grass. But so hey, he, but that's me. I'm that's, that'll be. <laughs> <his name. laughs> yeah. But so he'll, he'll, he'll uh, describe it in a way that's better, but it's beautiful. It just shows you, the start of the universe and our predicted uh, progression of it. And it'll, it'll take like trillions of years, good trillions to do anything at all meaningful. And it's still important and eh, it'll all be okay in the end because it always is. I I think, um, I think it's, it's really important to highlight that for a lot of people, they're so, they're so addicted and married to the technolo- technological advances that we're living in, that the idea of culling a large percentage of the planet's population hmm. seems like the only reasonable step and and not perhaps giving up and sacrificing some of these very unsustainable technologies that we use on a regular basis. There's a there's a, an author named John Michael Greer. I was watching a video with him, and he was talking about um, – cars and he's like look you're not going to have you're not going to be able to buy enough solar panels you're not going to have enough electricity you're not going to have enough of that like there's just too many people there's just not enough space he's like if we don't want to cause further damage to the environment 
we're probably going to have to start giving up cars to some degree, maybe start riding bicycles more often. And no one wants to hear that, right? No one wants to make that sacrifice. It's better to think maybe a typhoon will come and murder, you know, 3 billion people. And that, and then everything, they're like Thanos. Mm-hmm. Rather than being willing to make sacrifices in their own life, changes in their own life that perhaps is, you know, again, yeah. at the end of the day, it's a, it's a small drop in the water. But it's it could be a move towards a far more sustainable and happy life if we disconnected from some of the uh, ideas of of uh, luxury and leisure and maybe start looking at some old ways of living as perhaps a better uh, or, or at least can be infused into our modern society to make it a little bit more sustainable in the long term. Yeah, that sounds like that would be fun, but it's hard to make that decision for yourself. So then that's an argument for totalitarianism. Well, then I mean, the problem with that is, is that it is hard to make it for ourselves, but it's really the only way it works, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe. But but it's also, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, maybe it's the only way it works, but it's like a, we seem to do well when we are uh, backed up against a wall and when mm. we are able to find the people that we really trust and figure out what, uh, what will be best for each of our families, which is better when we all have families. And yeah. if you don't, you don't really care so much. But uh, I looked up John Michael, Michael Greer, Greer just now. He's a druid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Wikipedia. He's an American author and druid. I was like, holy yeah. crap. I love oh, being he's a druid. I was a druid in World of Warcraft. There you go. You bond over that. I can turn into a bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, Toby, we are we are crossing the two hour mark okay. um we're gonna have to do this, we're gonna have to do this again really soon this is really this was fun great. man yeah I hope my microphone doesn't sound too terrible i didn't even mention it what was that i hope my microphone uh didn't suck too bad mm-hmm. this is my laptop microphone but uh when i get set up it'll be cooler we can do it again and sound better yeah absolutely let's do that soon um thank you so much for coming on the show and let me know when you're in los angeles next let's let's hang out it's been too long hell yeah all right man all right talk to you soon all right peace I would like to thank Toby once again for lending his time and his insights and his perspectives. You know, I I love having different types of people come on the show and express their viewpoint. Sometimes it's things that we perfectly align on. Sometimes it's things that we might challenge each other on. But those are the conversations that allow you to broaden your mind and your own perspectives and to be uh, further educated and insightful about topics that oftentimes we just sort of accept a narrative one way or another. Most of those conversations most of those topics there's so much nuance that gets lost and this is the way i feel it best to cover those gaps to not be so dogmatic in your views in fact it was toby who tweeted not that long ago that friendships are not political and i absolutely believe that having people who are willing to have their own perspective on things and accepting them into your life and finding ways to find common ground with them and to listen to each other and hear each other out Sometimes you may not agree, but oftentimes you're going to find that there are some things that you agree with. And I think that's incredibly important. I love the fact that people who can be honest about what they believe in are able to do so in a respectful manner and have conversations that are in good natured and in good faith. So I want to thank Toby for such a wonderful conversation. And he and I are going to do it again because we could have kept talking as is oftentimes the case. I also want to thank you all for listening. I appreciate your time. And I want to let you know that we're going to come up on our 33rd episode of season two 
two. And I do have a bit of an announcement to make. So tune in next week uh, for that announcement as far as uh, future endeavors that I will be taking on and, and, um, and some that I'll be stepping back from. So thank you all very much. It's a little teaser for next week. I appreciate your time this week. And until next time, gold rings on you all.